Welcome to the 93rd episode of the Cinefessions Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts. My name is Brandon Chowan, and joining me tonight are Ash Collins and Mark Nadeau. Ash, how are you doing this evening? Uh, hot. Damn yeah. hot. <laughs> and it's still fucking May, and we're already complaining about the heat. That's not a good sign for the summer, that's for sure. Got a little crotch pot cooking going on here. <laughs> that's disgusting. Uh, oh, and on that note, Mark, how's things up in Canada this evening? Well, now I have a visual of like shepherd's pie cooking between <laughs> Ash's legs. And I lost oh, my appetite. <laughs> and will to live, I think. Oh, thank <laughs> thank God you were eating before we started recording. Yeah, it's it's pretty oh. I was pretty sad on myself since I'm drinking water out of a beer glass right now. But now just the idea <laughs> of a concoction of a cheesy crust filling oh, being formed over nether oh. regions really <clears throat> I don't know if I can do this podcast tonight. This is this is worse I, I, than Pornhub. That's I, I really don't feel like I can do the podcast now. <laughs> well, I ask you and our listeners ask that you persevere and uh, do your best to make it through to the end. Well, I want to hear from all six of them tomorrow. Right, exactly right. Mm. Absolutely right. So tonight we are continuing the video game arc with a review of Max Payne from 2008. We are going to move on to round 29 of the Best in the Backlog Challenge, which happens to be a Double feature, Backlog Challenge. Well, for a couple of us, we got a little mishap at the last minute, so we'll talk about that when we get there. Um, but we're also going to announce uh, the next podcast arc on this episode as opposed to waiting until next week. So first, though, let's talk about social media and how you guys can follow us outside of the just listening to the podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Cinefessions. You can email us at contact at cinefessions.com. And finally, you can leave us a voicemail if you want to be part of an upcoming show at 1-302-448-TALK. That's 1-302-448-8255. We love comments, questions, corrections, and concerns, so please reach out to us and talk film uh, to us on any of those platforms. And also make sure you're following our Cinefessions Instagram account. Mark posts a load of reviews on there and media pickups, so definitely give that a follow if you haven't already. And you can I'll also, also accept yeah. the new recipes, like <laughs> thigh salami. And, uh, <laughs> oh, geez. Maybe like an underwear soup. Oh, that's disgusting on mm. so many different levels. Mm. <laughs> Yes. Underwear Stop soup. Saying. Oh, God. <laughs> Oddly enough, it is a cream-based soup. Oh, my God. So it's kind of thick. Oh, gosh. That is disgusting. You may need to stir yeah. to break the skin that might form if left God. alone. I feel nauseous. Oh, mm. thank You're you. welcome. You You're t- welcome, everybody. <laughs> oh, my God. You can also like our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Cinefessions and check out our long list of past reviews and all previous 92 podcast episodes over at Cinefessions.com. And you can also, I did post a pickups video on Facebook recently, so check that out if you haven't already. And finally, we're proud to tell you that this episode of the Cinefessions podcast is brought to you by Audible. Audible's offering a free audiobook download with a 30-day trial, so all of our Cinefessions listeners get an opportunity to check out their services. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, your Android, or your Kindle devices, so head on over to audibletrial.com backslash Cinefessions to get your free audiobook. That's audibletrial.com backslash Cinefessions. Before we dive into our weeks in media, 
I wanted to take some time to discuss the sixth annual Cinefessions Summer Screams Challenge, or CSSC6, as it's known on Twitter. So, I know we've gotten a lot of new listeners in the past couple of years, so CSSC may be something completely new to you, and looking at that announcement post can be a bit overwhelming if you're unfamiliar with the challenge. I completely understand that. So, because of that, I wanted to kind of boil it down here on the podcast to help all of our new listeners and readers get a better understanding of the whole process. The main goal of CSSC is to have a great time and an excuse, if you should need it, to watch as many horror and sci-fi films and or television episodes as humanly possible during the month of June. As you watch, you log everything and earn points. Every feature-length film you watch, so anything over 60 minutes, nets you one point. Every four half-an-hour-long television episodes you watch nets you one point. Every two-hour-long television episode you watch nets you one point. And I'm talking half an hour and an hour based on what their original runtime was on television. Um, Every 60 minutes of short films earns you one point. And that includes special features on DVDs or Blu-rays or YouTube, if you can find them there. So as you go through the month, you keep a log of what you've watched and everything earns you points. Moreover, there are ways to earn bonus points. If, for for example, you watch a film that falls into the week's weekly theme, then you would earn two points for that film instead of one. Unlike in the past, um, we've made the bonus points... uh, This year, the bonus points are only eligible on films you watch for the weekly themes and not television episodes, um, because some have felt in the past that the system was too exploitable to earn a lot of points with TV episodes. So... Uh, that's basically how we're trying to correct that this year. I know. Also- I bitched up a storm. That's right. Um, and it also, it takes more episodes to earn a single point this year than in years past. But I feel that be- it's fair because the time spent actually watching something, um, whether you're watching a film or a television episode, it's going to earn you the same amount of points. And I think that's the way it should be. So like I said, this year it takes four half an hour episodes or two hour long episodes to earn a point or one feature length film. So that's about the same runtime. And so I feel like that's just fairer that way. Um, The other way you can earn bonus points is by watching that week's featured film. Watching the feature film for the week will actually net you a total of three points instead of the usual one or two. You earn one point for watching the movie a second because it falls into the weekly theme, and a third because you watch the featured film. So in other words, if you watch Harbinger Down in week one of the challenge, which is our featured film for that week, then that one film is going to score you three total points. And the reason for this is just to encourage everyone to watch at least one similar film so that we can have a discussion about it on Twitter or on the Cinefessions forum if you choose to go that route with your lists. And the the final way a participant can earn bonus points is by completing uh, one or both of the two checklists. This year, there are only 20 items listed on the main checklist as opposed to 30, making it a bit more accessible. And as you watch movies throughout the month, if you're interested in completing the main checklist for these bonus points, you can fill in films that fit those requirements as you go. The catch with the checklist is that you cannot use one film for more than one item on the checklist, meaning those that complete the main checklist will have 20 unique films on their list. Anyone who does manage that goal of completing the checklist will earn 20 bonus points at the end of the month. And there is another check with the main checklist, though, and that is that there are no points given for partial completion of the list. That means that in order to earn any bonus points at all for this one, you have to complete the entire checklist with 20 different films. Now, that said, there is a second optional checklist that you can that can earn you three bonus points for each item you complete. And I call the second one optional just because that's what I labeled it on the announcement post. But really, 
all of this is optional. Um, but I'm, that's what I'm going to refer to it as just for ease and just so everyone knows going forward. So the five items listed on this optional checklist are generally going to be more difficult or more time consuming to complete than the regular checklist items, like watching a film once normally and then again with a commentary track or seeing a movie in theaters or reading a horror or sci-fi novel, for example. So each one you complete on this list earns you three bonus points. Again, though, these must be filled in with unique items. So anyone completing both checklists are going to have 22 films, one book, one graphic novel, and one video game on their lists when it's all said and done. And if you do manage to complete both lists in full during the month, then you're going to earn a total of 50 bonus points at the end of of the challenge. 20 for completing the main checklist, 15 points for completing all of the optional bonus checklist items, and an additional 15 for having the stamina uh, and uh, passion to complete both lists. The biggest thing to remember, though, is this challenge can be as simple as you'd like it to be. If you're not interested in doing any of the checklists, don't. If you don't want to stick to the weekly themes or watch any of the featured films, then don't. That's totally acceptable. I just love a good, thorough rule set to follow, and others have in the past because it's been you know pretty successful in years past. So that's why I've created this over the years. But I understand that's not for everyone. And so if you just like to watch some movies and list them throughout the month, go for it. You're still going to be earning points and having a good time doing it, which is what this is all about. So speaking of points... What the hell is the point of all these points? Well, I'm glad you asked. So, like with any good challenge, at the end of it, there has to be a winner, right? And that's where the points come in. The person who earns the most points by the end of June will be declared the CSSC6 World Heavyweight Champion. Actually, that's just amongst us wrestling nerds. You're just going to be declared the winner. And if you are the winner, you will be rewarded with a $25 Amazon gift card to the Amazon store of your choice. And... As always, if there are over 20 participants, that prize will double to a $50 Amazon gift card coming right out of Mark's budget plan for the year. There are other prizes to be won, all of differing Amazon gift card values. So if nothing else, at least if you enter and compete, you'll have a shot at winning something. And the last thing I want to touch on is uh, with the list themselves that every participant will create. So unlike in the past, we required everyone to house the list on their own website or blog because we didn't have anywhere to post lists on our own website. This year, that's still definitely an option. I'm sure it's going to be a popular one because a lot of our participants are fellow site owners. But if for some reason you don't have a blog or a Tumblr or something similar and you don't want to create one to host your list, you can now sign up at the Cinefessions forums, click on the Cinefessions Summer Screams Challenge thread, and then create your own personal list thread that you will then edit over the course of the month. This may not be a popular option, and that's absolutely fine. We just want to make sure that CSSC6 is as inclusive as humanly possible, and we felt that adding this option would help make that a reality. You can also use the forums to post about the movies you're watching throughout the month as well if you choose to do so. So wherever you decide to host your list, you can always use the hashtag CSSC6 on Twitter so that everyone can interact with each other on there. Also, make sure you check out the full rules at cinefessions.com because I'm sure there are things I didn't go over here that are answered on that page. If you're still confused, do not hesitate to contact us on Twitter at Cinefessions or by emailing at contact at cinefessions.com. And, and last but not least, I swear we'll move on. Some people have asked me if they minded if, if, if they shared the challenge with, the, with friends they thought would be interested. And of course, the answer was, please share this. The only way the CSSC can grow is with your help. So share this with anyone you think will have a good time watching horror and sci-fi films during the month of June. Also, 
Another thing to keep in mind, please make sure that you only share this with people that you believe can be honest because this is all for fun and runs on the age-old honor system. So we don't want any bad apples ruining it for everyone. Again, any questions? Send them our way and we'll be happy to answer them as quickly as possible. So I cannot wait. I, I, uh, we're talking with people. I just, it feels like CSSC six is going to be our biggest one yet. Um, I have, uh, some people that are inviting others, uh, and sharing this. And so I'm really excited. Um, I know you guys, uh, are, are very busy, but, um, obviously we're, we're all partaking, um, and it should just be a fucking good time. And I hope it's going to be one of the best years that we've had yet for it. So I'm excited as hell. Definitely. Sounds like fun. Absolutely. Oh, oh, oh yes. me too. <laughs> uh, with that in mind, Ash, what have you been doing this past week? Well, yeah, you know. Um, oh, wait. Um, <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, I've been playing some DDO, um, chilling out, trying to get some sleep, not successfully. Um, watching more Parks and Rec. I am looking forward to, well, it'll have already aired by the time the podcast comes out, but uh, mm-hmm. tomorrow a new episode of uh, Handmaid's Tale comes out. Oh, okay. Very good. I started watching 13 Reasons Why with my wife. I oh, got about yeah? three episodes in and then I had to go to bed. Um, she binged the whole thing in two days. Really? Did you have to go to bed to whack off? <laughs> No, I, I have to oh. go to bed because I have to get up at three in the freaking morning. <laughs> oh, I thought the mo- I just thought the show got you all, you know. Wait, uh, is, it, no, 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 no. is no. there something sexual about the show? No, thirteen reasons oh. why is a thirteen episode um uh suicide note. Uh, yeah, it's oh, a yeah, story exactly. A teen girl commits suicide <laughs> and she leaves. Uh, she leaves these tapes. Um. So there's 13, 13 stories or 13 reasons why she committed suicide and each tape or each side of each tape has, you know, a story to it. And it tells you what built up to it and everything else. And and it kind of follows that. It is a little um, I, I think it feel, what I saw of it, it dealt with it, honestly. I they're realistic about it, I think. Um, hmm. But I, I think for some people, it might be a little graphic. Just fair warned. Um but okay. I thought what I've seen of it, I thought they did a good job with. So I'm I'm going to watch the rest of it and and uh, see how it goes. Um, we did watch one um, called The Good Neighbor. Um, I watched that uh, the week before. Yeah, it was okay. Um, I was they're like it's a drama, it's a thriller. I, it was a little suspenseful, but it, by the end of it, I was really fucking depressed. Um, uh, really? yeah. Um, James Kahn is fantastic in it. Um, he's like the neighbor. Um, and I, I kind of liked his story and it's, it's just, it's, it's kind of sad, really. I don't want to spoil anything, but these, these two kids that live across the street are trying to document a fake haunting. And, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, so they set up like cameras and stuff like that and, and, and try to catch their neighbor freaking out about the haunt being haunted. Um, and, uh, it, it, it's kind of sad that it, there's some good moments to it, but it's, it's kind of slow and, and I don't know. I just, I, it held my interest. My wife was bored through most of it. Um, but we wanted to know how to go. So. Interesting. Yeah. I was reading about that one, but I've not, uh, I've not spent any, I've not watched it yet. Yeah. 
But uh, so other than that, that was pretty much it for me. Okay. Awesome. Very good. So, Mark, I'll I'll let you uh, wrap it up today. I'll, I'll say mine real quick because I have very little to talk about. Um, sure. I, I I finally beat Super Mario Brothers on my <laughs> NES Classic. <laughs> it took me longer than I expected, but it was very fulfilling to finally finish it again. And I don't I don't think I've beaten it fully like that since I was playing it on the Game Boy Color way back when. Um, but it's it's definitely a classic and one of my favorite games of all time. So I was very happy to get through it again. It's just a ton of fun. Um, and then, and then other games, I've just been kind of playing random games, um, nothing of note, I guess, for, or for an extended period of time, I, I was playing a bit of Minecraft and, uh, I just enjoy that game, but it gets boring. And so like, I don't want to go back to it, but then I do and I get sucked in for an hour and it's, it's just the way it is, but I've never found the appeal to Minecraft. I don't know. I got a buddy, my buddy Paul plays it a lot Mm -hmm. and I just don't get why I, I just don't see the appeal. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, definitely not for everybody. Definitely not for everybody. I, like, I didn't think it would be I for like me. I like the building but... part of it, but I, yeah. I, my son loves it, and I'm just kind of like, I, it looks like a little bit of fun, but it's not, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Yeah, and so, um, yeah, I got into that probably, man, I don't know, a year and a half ago, two years ago, and I played the hell of it. It's like probably one of my like second most played, maybe top five most played games on my Xbox One in terms of hours. Of course, no, nothing can top FIFA Soccer 16, but uh, I think Madden's below that, and then maybe Minecraft, but whatever. I put a lot of hours into it. I, I don't know. It's fun. Um, but other than that, nothing really of note. I guess oh, I did play a level of Call of Duty 2 because I was a long while back. I talked about I was trying to play through. I want to play through all of them, and I beat Call of Duty Classic, and then I started on 2, but I never played more than like the first world level or whatever, um, but I did install it on my Xbox One upstairs, and so I um, played another level of that. And uh, it's fun. I like those games. There's the same damn thing over and over again, but it is what it is. Um, but anyway, the one thing I watched that I wanted to talk about. So a few years back, I got into the Paradise Lost trilogy, which I'm sure I've talked about on this podcast, but it was probably in like the first dozen or so episodes, frankly. I don't remember. Um, but there, th- these are three films that cover three different times in the lives of the West Memphis Three. And if you don't know who the West Memphis Three are, they are three guys who were wrongfully accused of being child murderers back in like the early 90s because they were tied to or believed to have been tied to a satanic cult. So the trilogy is fascinating because the first film, it just sets up how these, these kids are wrongfully, wrongfully convicted. The second one paints a picture of a new suspect. And then the third one, spoiler alert, but it's a real life case. So yeah. Uh, but anyway, the third one covers how they finally get out of prison 18 years after the fact. Well, there was another documentary called West of Memphis that was released on these three men. And it's it's been on my radar since it hit Blu-ray, but I never got around to watching it. Well, that changed on Friday night. So I put it on with the expectation to watch just a few minutes of it and then turn it off because I wasn't really in the mood to watch a two and a half hour documentary on Friday night. But once it started, of course, I couldn't turn it off. I was instantly uh, sucked back into the Arkansas town, West Memphis, Arkansas in 1993. And I couldn't turn it off until I was in tears watching the credits roll. Cause it's such a fucking heartbreaking story on so many levels. I mean, I could talk for hours about, uh, this, this, these films and this case, but I'll try to cut myself off in a couple seconds here. Um, but there are two tragedies with this case. Not only were three young eight year old boys 
horrifically and brutally murdered by somebody in the woods one evening. The town's police force then went on to attempt to ruin the lives of three more boys, aged 16 to 18 at the time, who they decided to pin it on, even with the evidence pointing elsewhere. It's an absolutely fucking fascinating story, and West of Memphis does just as good a job as the Paradise Lost trilogy in explaining the crimes, showcasing the evidence, and eventually getting to um, like show the three men after their time in prison. I highly recommend those interested in in checking this out, but I would honestly recommend starting with the Paradise Lost trilogy and then watching West of Memphis because the trilogy really uh, like lays everything out there in more detail. And it, it, obviously it can have more detail because it is taking place over three films and is kind of filmed in the middle of all this, whereas West of Memphis is more of a retrospective. But if you enjoyed... um Making a Murderer, which was another show that we talked about here in the, we did a whole couple podcasts on. If you enjoy true crime at all, absolutely. If you don't already know about this story, absolutely check it out. It is fascinating. It is heartbreaking. It's just a terrible, terrible story, but it's worth learning about. Um, that's what I was saying on Twitter. Like in another life, I, I, I would have, I would love to have gone to law school and then came, came out of it and worked for the Innocence Project because I don't know what it is, but there's something fascinating to me in uh, trying to get people who are actually innocent or people that have been later proved innocent off of death row, all, out of prison. Uh, that fascinates me. And it's something I think is, is such an important work. And I would, you know, if I had, had it to do it again, it's definitely something I would consider. But that one is West of Memphis. Highly recommend it. Um, I don't know where it's streaming. Uh, I have it here at the house. But yeah, if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. And um, that's really all I have for this week. I'm sure I did other things, but I can't really remember. They weren't memorable. So I'll cut myself off there. Um, Mark, what about you? Oh, well, I'm confused. I thought West Memphis Memphis, was a band. So I feel really (laughs) dumb now. Who Uh, knows? They very well could be too. I have no idea. Um, yeah, again, because of the short turnaround time on our last recording here, I didn't get to do too, too much. <laughs> I did go to the movies twice, though. Nice. Um, on Friday, so last Friday, I went to see at the Mayfair a uh, Australian uh, crime film called Hounds of Love. Yeah, about- you were talking about that last week. Yeah, so I saw it, and uh, it was pretty good. Cool. Um, it's one of those, uh, you know, couple of ducks, girls for, you know, whatever pleasures they have. Um, but it is again, steeped in reality compared to something that's more fantastical, which I believe I mentioned last time. Um, now as this is an exploitation flick, um, but it's, it's pretty mild when it comes to what I kind of expect from an exploitation flick. Um, meaning that it's not really graphic. Um, and it doesn't have to be, <laughs> but just, you know, I'm, I'm kind of waiting for something like to really creep me out or gross me out and it, it doesn't really get there, but at the same time, it's very tense. Um, so visually it's not, it's not, uh, gross in any way, but the way the performances, the performances, first of all, are fantastic. And I caught myself once or twice actually holding my breath, which doesn't happen too often, um, so it's, it's psychological more than, more than physical, but at the same time, it is a very physical film with the abuse that this girl takes place or it gets uh, during her, uh, during her time with this couple. Um, so, uh, Emma Booth 
and Stephen Curry play Evelyn and John White. And they would be a lower income family in uh, in Australia. I don't recall which city it is. I think it's Melbourne, uh, but I could be wrong. And uh, Ashley Cummings plays Vicky Maloney, who um, she's a, a child where her parents divorced. Staying at her mom's, resents her mom, blames her for, for leaving, which her mom did leave. So she uh, leaves the house to go to a party after her mom tells her that she's grounded. As she's walking, gets picked up by the whites and then proceeds to abduct her and then drug her and then chain her up to a, to a bed. So a lot of the film is her trying to uh, play on the whites to uh, turn on each other so that she can escape. Um, it's really good. Uh, but again, it's not like I spend your grave exploitive. It's more, it's more psychological. Um, but I thought it was fantastic. I really dug it. Glad I saw it with the crowd. Um, so I would recommend that if it plays at your local indie theater, worth checking out. Um, I also saw Guardian of the Galaxy 2 in IMAX nice. 3D, which I'm assuming you guys haven't gone yet to. I've not yet. No, no. I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to get a chance, but. Okay. Well, it just I'll came out. I'm not going to spoil anything. Yeah. Um, if you like the first one, you'll like the second one. Um, a lot of the characters get expanded histories, which I like. And some uh, of the lesser characters get more screen time, which again, I liked a lot. Um, yeah. So I'll leave it at that. I, I really dug it visually. It was pretty. It's a pretty film. Um, the poster show has like a Daglo feel to it and it, it continues on during the duration of the movie. Uh, Kurt Russell is awesome. As uh, Ego the Living Planet again, not a spoiler. It's uh, it's on the uh, it's on the uh, it's on the uh, pre movie uh, like video that they showed the theaters. Um, again, Yondu, awesome. I'm a big big fan of Michael Rooker. He does not disappoint here. Um, Batista as Drax, he's hilarious in this one. Um, mm. So I really like that. It had some really cool cameos, which I will not divulge. Um, but yeah, uh, if you like the first one, you like the second one. Um, if you like the Marvel films, there's no reason why you wouldn't like this one. So I'll leave that as that. Um, I was able to watch, I'm trying to think if I talked about Fight Back to School last time. I believe I did. So which one? Uh, Fight Back to School. Did I talk about that last time? Fight Back. That doesn't sound familiar. No. No. Um, okay. If I didn't quickly surmise it, it's a Stephen Chow, uh, film in the vein of, uh, of, uh, 21 Jump Street, where a young police officer goes back to a high school, infiltrates the local kids so that he can, uh, get the gun that his captain lost because mm-hmm. it's his favorite back scratcher. So it's a, it's a comedy with some action elements. Um, Stephen Chow, you'll know from Shaolin Soccer. Uh, so he, uh, He's got quite the action comedy uh, background in uh, in Asian cinema. I believe this was filmed in Hong Kong. Um, so there's Cantonese. I was able to watch it um, without subtitles. Or pardon me, with subtitles. I can't speak Cantonese. So, <laughs> you just picked up Cantonese on the side over this past week. Well, well, I've seen so much Asian cinema in the last month. I feel like I, I probably pick up the language no problem. Writing would be an issue, but, uh, you know, yeah. speaking it would be, it would be hard. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I liked it. Um, I thought that the humor, uh, even uh, translated, was very good. Some some really good physical comedy as well. A few cool action scenes. So that's a, a thumbs up by me. So I was watching that for the um, A to Z to A challenge. Um, another how one. F- yeah. oh, okay. I was just how far along are you now on your 
Um, well, I got one to post, uh, which I'll post probably on Sunday, uh, which okay. would be uh, the letter E for embryo. Then we've got four left. Okay, uh, D cool. to A. So I'm hoping to, uh, well, I said it last time, I'm hoping to, to have that done by the next podcast now, which yeah. I think we'll have time. Uh, I'll have time to do so. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, so I watched Embryo from 1976, uh, which stars uh, Rock Hudson, uh, Barbara Carrera, and Diane Ladd. So I'm a big fan of 70s sci-fi films just because of how wrong they have it, how the future's going to look like. <laughs> I would love to be in gym suits compared to what I'm wearing. You know, even though I'm wearing shir- shirts and a t-shirt right now, a jumpsuit would be so badass, you know? The bold-faced lie, you're nude as the day you were born. Uh, not after uh, the fucking uh, cooking commentary. Like, <laughs> Put those clothes right back on. I'm making bays right now in my chair, you know what I'm saying? So... Uh, oh. so yeah, oh, I would rock a one piece fucking, uh, suit, you know, like a whole, oh, geez, with the fucking, you would. but oh, okay, I would velour. Are you kidding me? <laughs> How comfortable would that be? That'd be so comfortable because you know, in the, in the seventies future, they're not wearing underwear, right? So <laughs> Absolutely. One zipper, it falls down. Done. Right. <laughs> oh. So, um, yeah. Uh, so in this one, uh, it's not in the future, but it's slightly futuristic because, it's about uh, Rock Hudson. He's a scientist. Hits a dog um, as it runs across the street late at night with his car. Takes the dog home. Dog's bleeding internally. Realizes it's got puppies. So he Aww. takes the embryos out of the dog and slaps them into some containers, some like some fish tanks. And with a whole bunch of science bumbo jumbo, uh, he's able to uh, he was able to save one. And again, with the uh, shit that he gave it, um, it's growing at a crazy rate so within a matter of days it's a puppy embryo and then it's a full-fledged dog so he's like hmm this is working pretty good the dog is you know acting normally let's try this with a human embryo (laughs) so uh he's able to get one (laughs) uh which is kind of interesting and uh he he uh, grows this embryo until it becomes a beautiful young woman which is barbara carrera who then becomes the uh the bell of the ball, let's say, when he meets, uh, when she, well, once she's educated and uh, meets all his friends. So from like embryo to like, you know, young woman, I think it's a course of like 10 days or so. Hmm. Um, so I'm watching this with Melissa and I'm like, oh, I bet you 10 bucks that he's going to fuck it. Ah, splice. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And that's what I wrote in my review, uh, which will be posted in a few days. Gotcha. This is a mere sp- splice completely like ripped this movie off. That's fascinating. I need to see this. I yeah. love splice. It's so underrated. Yeah. But you know, in splice, it's like, oh, she's hot, but she's an alien. But would you? Right. Yeah. yeah. I would probably. <laughs> Absolutely. Fucking, yeah. Um, <laughs> in this one here, it, it's a lot easier because she she's really hot and she doesn't have that crazy face. Um, and just some sweet nudity in it after the fact. Um. Mm. So, yeah, so I'm like, ah, oh, man, you you gave, like, you didn't give birth to it, but you fucking grew it out of, like, a test tube, and right. 10 days later getting your dick wet? Like, oh, dude, you know? <laughs> Rock Hudson, you dirty fuck. So, uh, rest in peace, Rock Hudson. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, um, so, yeah, um, <laughs> with, without, so, the, I guess the tagline on IMDb says that, uh, Scientists doing experiments on human fetus discovers a method to accelerate the fetus into a mature adult in just a few days. However, the adult fetus turns into a homicidal psycho. 
Yes and no. Hmm. So it's not that because of the of the drugs and of the accelerated growth that she turns psycho and kills people, but that it's more of a she's trying to survive. So it's more of a survival uh, instinct that she has. Um, so I'm not going to spoil the ending because I actually really enjoyed this movie. And again, if you like Splice, you'll like this one. Awesome. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's from 76, Embryo. Uh, and fucking uh, uh, Cornelius is in it, Roddy McDowell. Oh, I, I forgot about that. Him. Yes, Roddy McDonald, uh, McDowell has a awesome cameo at this okay. at this party they have at a house. Um, he's like a chess master. Hmm. And she challenges him to play chess. And he's like, oh, this is, you know, for like men, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, I'd like to play. You know, I've read about it. And he's like, oh, you've never played before? No, I've read books, right? Well, you know where that's going to head, right? Right, um, exactly. Yeah, it's awesome. Rod McDowell is like, he's on screen maybe 10, 10 minutes at the most, but it is my favorite scene of the film um, after the nudity. Um, so, so yeah, so I thought. From this midnight years? pop now, have you enjoyed? Oh, I would say uh, less than more. Yeah, um, okay. Again, though, you know, um, they have new movies added every week. Mm-hmm. And I think I've seen a lot of shitty films because I've kind of tied myself with this stupid challenge, having yeah, to do a letter. That's true. You know, um, You're not I'm not going to give a full like overview of the service by any means. It's just this is what you happen to have chose for this letter today. Yeah. That makes well, sense. just with some letters, I'm kind of forced, you know, to, to watch it. And right. I kind of hate watching it because I don't want to watch it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but there are a lot of movies that I do want to see. But I don't think I'm going to keep with the service after I'm done. Yeah. I got to the 24th of May to uh, until it renews again for another month at 4.99 US. But I find that the service is really uh, glitching my Roku a lot. Where oh, I'll select gotcha. a film, I'll start loading, and then it reboots my Roku. Like a, oh, so, okay. yeah. So I I don't think I'm going to keep it. But it does have some really cool films. It's got a lot of Arrow films on it. Um, which I haven't touched just because I just got my order uh, of new Arrow films. So I didn't want to watch stuff that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have on Blu-ray. Um, but I have seen a lot of Asian cinema that I really dug. Like Kickboxers, Tears I liked a lot. Um, that Fight Back to School I liked. And there's two sequels, which I don't know if I'll have the chance to watch. them. I probably not because then I have to start with my DVD uh, challenge. Um, I think maybe I would resubscribe later down the line. I just need a break from it right now. Gotcha. Yeah, but it does have some cool stuff. I just haven't been able to watch it all. That's why next year I'm not doing challenges. Um, Right. But uh, yeah, apart from the films I had to watch for the podcast tonight, that's all I've really had the chance to see. Yeah, that's a lot. A lot more than I was able to watch. That's for sure. Yeah, and uh, like when it comes to Scream, I didn't catch up on any new episodes and video gaming. Oh, I did finish a game on my on my. Nintendo Switch, I finished uh, Battle uh, or Master Blaster Zero. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Um, which was uh, lots of fun, which also discovered the map in the game a lot late in the f- in, in my in my gameplay. So mm. I took about 12 hours on the game. I could have probably finished the game in six. <laughs> if <laughs> oh, I gotcha. they had, it had where the map was. Like, because right. there's no, there's no, um, it's a downloadable uh, title. So there's no instructions, you know? Oh, like, okay. And or if there were for the map, I just didn't notice at the time. So yeah, yeah, uh, but still a fun game. Ten bucks, I think it cost me, or just under ten bucks. I think like nine nine ninety nine or whatever. Okay, um, so that was lots of fun. Cool. Uh, but yeah, apart from that, that's it. That's it. That's all. 
Excellent. How did you get that picture that you put on Instagram? You had like three pictures and then a video clip. Is that just something you have in your app that you can do? Because that was really cool. Yeah, I I use, uh, it's the app I use for most of my collage pictures. Okay. Um, It's called, uh, (laughs) it's called Dick Pic. Um, (laughs) Of course it is. But it's spelled, it's spelled, oh, (laughs) I call it Dick Pic. It's it's Dip Tic. (laughs) <laughs> okay. I call it dig pick. Um, it's a D I P T I C. You can okay. add video and you can have pictures. Now, what sucks is that if you add video, then the uh, watermark shows up, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, I'll just pay for the app, and uh, you know, then I won't have to deal with it anymore. And it's a dollar thirty nine, but per usage. So every oh, time that I, I would do a video um, or have a video portion. Yeah. I'd have to pay like a buck forty every time. So like oh, I'm not gonna do man. that. So it, it, yeah, it can crazy. lick your water. It can lick your watermark. But yeah, uh, yeah so I use a uh, <laughs> uh, dip tick for that, yeah. and that's on the iOS. I think there's an Android version, but it's not as robust. Oh, okay, gotcha. Very good. Excellent. So we do have a question of the week this week, and this one comes from Chris. Thanks to Twitter. So Chris asks. Which movie would you like to see become a video game? And Mark, before you even say it, Mad Max cannot be your answer because it's already been done. I apologize. Yeah. Mm. But which movie would you like to see become a video game? Um, I guess I'll I'll jump in there first. Um, So for me, I'd love to see Romero's Of the Dead series turned into a video game. Um, it could be another story in the series or an adaptation or w- of one or more of the films. I know we have Dead Rising, but I just wasn't a huge fan of that game. I think maybe if it was uh, like a direct tie-in to the series, maybe approved by Romero himself, then I'd en- enjoy it more. Um, it would obviously be a survival horror game, but I'd like to see it as a um, as a first person's perspective. And I want all of the action of the Romero films as well. So it would be a faster paced survival action, which is pretty popular nowadays anyway. Um, but yeah, that'd be something I'd love to see turn into a video game series would be the Romero's of the Dead series. So what about you guys? You know, most of the movies I like either have already been turned into video games or yeah. the material they're based off of has been turned into video game. Gotcha. Oh, uh, I need a minute. <laughs> No problem. What about you, uh, Mark? I, I Mark. Um, I would. Uh, I would love to play a Purge video game. Okay. Where, I was thinking that same thing. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah. Either where you're doing the purging, or you're saving your house or your neighborhood or whatever. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would. And there's, you know, what? There's so many facets to it. You know, you could be. The evil government. You know, you can do like a Sim City way uh, or Sim City. Type of level where you're the government trying to, you know, impose your will, or you can do like a, like a warrior's thing where you're away from home and you're trying to get home, but gangs are after right. you. Or you know, there's like a there could be a car aspect of it. There could be you know where you're the vigilante, like you beat him up, like does like double dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I do like the idea of protecting your house. Yeah, that's you know? awesome. I love that. Almost idea. maybe like five. I've never played like Five Nights at Freddy's. But something like that where you have to keep monitoring, like, uh, you know, maybe security cameras and okay. dispatch elements around, you know, openings to your house or things like that. Like, there's so many options that you can do. Right. Um, so, I would love to play a purge thing. Now, the question is, would I want to play a purger or want to play a purgee? <laughs> 
honestly, I'd probably go purge her first, you know, because I just want to wear sparklers in my hair and and terrorize (laughs) the convenience store. Yes, yes. Because I'm a badass bitch. I know. You know know what I'm saying? That's what I love about the Purge uh, universe because we've answered that uh, question of the week with the Purge multiple times now because we asked about like what we'd like to see turned into a TV series and now into a video game. I mean, it's just such a world that is ripe with options. I love that what they've created and I absolutely love that series. And so, yeah, I I, I just, it makes me happy because I was thinking the same thing. It would also be cool, you know, like let's say you don't really, you know, advertise the game as a purge game mm-hmm. and it starts off where, you know, you have to run, uh, you know, you have to, it's like a, an election. It's like oh, an yeah. election uh, simulation. Same, yeah. And let's say somebody really bad, you know, gets elected mm-hmm. and then it just goes all purge, but you could have stopped <laughs> it if you campaigned harder or some right. stupid shit, you know, that'd yep. be, that'd be so cool. It was so many options and so many different facets that you can make. Call me. I have great ideas, people. Exactly. Get this man. You Give them your phone number so they can contact you. Man, alive. I got kids. <laughs> I got kids. I That's a lie. But if I had embryos, I'd probably fuck them after 10 days. hi <laughs> Oh, man. Oh. Uh, I think, actually, my the one that, um, the one that I think I would love to play... Now that I think about it, is um is a sci-fi action movie from my childhood. Uh Space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. Uh, I would yes. love to see a video game based off of that where you're a down on your luck garbage man slash bounty hunter space pirate dude just trying to eke out a living and I would love that. That would be hilarious. Cause you could just go like- all fucking weird with it and all sorts <laughs> of shit. I don't want to play as Molly Ringwald. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is the second time you've mentioned this movie, at least, and I still have not seen this. I got to check that out, though. It looks oh, interesting. there is a, I think Kino Lorber came out with a, uh, oh, fuck, did I buy it? I don't even know if I bought it. Um, let me, give me a little, I'll, I'll put it up here Yeah, on Amazon.com, but yeah, it got is a recent re-release. Yes. Is um, it in 3D? Uh, well, my TV does it. Well, yeah, I know, but I mean, the, the, the originally it was released in theaters in 3D. That was one really of the, that was one yeah. of the big draws for it back in the early 80s. Yeah, but it it, awesome. it still flopped. <laughs> uh, yeah, on dot com, it's eleven thirteen for the Blu-ray, but you can get it on Amazon Video for much cheaper. Um, and I'm trying to see who re- it's Mill Creek who released it. Oh, okay, yeah, they're kind of shoddy with their releases every sometimes. I think they're getting yeah. better, but I'm I'm wondering, did I buy this? I'm checking right now, and I did not, but I want to. I think no, I've got it just two, came out May second. Yeah, I've, I've got two one sheets of this. One's a little clipped set there. I bought another copy. Uh, oh. The art is amazing. I'm, I'm, I've seen this a handful of times. Mm-hmm. I don't own it. I would love to watch this again. I just have not purchased it yet. Hmm. Awesome. I definitely check that out then. Very cool. So thank you, Chris, for that question. We appreciate it. And if you happen to have a question for the three of us here at the podcast, please hit us up using that hashtag InFilmWeTrust on Twitter for all the questions you'd like us to answer here on the show. And if you're not on Twitter, call us at 1-302-448-TALK or email us at contact.cinefessions.com for any question of the week options. We'd love to hear what you guys have to ask us. All right. So let's continue on the video game arc path and discuss Max Payne from 2008. So as always, there will be spoilers. So if you have not seen Max Payne and you care about spoilers, make sure you pause the podcast, go watch Max Payne, 
come on back and hit play and then you can listen to our spoiler-filled discussion of the movie. So, Max Payne from 2008 was directed by John Moore, who also directed A Good Day to Die Hard, The Omen Remake, and Behind Enemy, Enemy Lines, just as uh, some point of reference there. Um, and so the only one I don't, I don't think I've seen Good Day to Die Hard yet. I think it's the only one in the Die Hard series I haven't seen. It's not very good. That's the no? fifth one. No, it's not. Yeah, it's the is fifth that one. The I fifth think. one? Yeah, it is the fifth one. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, because Live Free Die Hard is that's number four. Yeah, four. I think. Yeah. Um, and the Omen remake is the only one I've seen, and I didn't like that. And that's actually the reason why I have not seen the original Omen. I just haven't gone back to it because I didn't like the remake at all. And so who knows? But. It was written by Bo Thorne. It has an IMDb score of 5.4 out of the 110,775 votes at the time of this recording. It has a Metacritic score of 31, has a 16% tomato meter and an audience score on Rotten Tomatoes of 29%. It had a $35 million budget with a $40.69 million gross. So Ash, what is your history with Max Payne, the, the film and the video game? Um, I actually saw the movie, um, with my son in the theaters when it came out. Oh, um, okay. Um, seen it on DVD one other time. Um, I played through the first video game, absolutely loved it. And then mm-hmm. I never bothered touching either of the sequels. Okay. Well, wait, are there three sequels or two sequels? There's, I think there's two. I think it goes up to Max Payne 3. Which yeah, came out for the 360 on, era. And the PS3. Yeah, okay. Okay, so, but yeah, so I, I've played those, and, and I enjoyed the hell out of the first one. The first one is a classic. When okay. when it's not glitching out on the PlayStation 2, it was a classic. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was the, it was a lot of fun. Cool. And what, what about you, Mark? What's your history with the, the movie and the game? Uh, first time watch, watching it for the podcast. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to uh obviously I didn't own it, so mm-hmm. I was gonna stream it. It was like four ninety nine for an HD stream for forty eight hours, or I could have bought it for seven ninety nine at uh, my local Best Buy. Okay. So that's what I did. I just bought it at the Best Buy. Cool, very good. Yeah, I um now have you played the game at all? No. Um I I own Max Payne three on the PS three. Okay. Uh it, not a game I was really enthralled by, so I quickly dropped it. So Oh gotcha. It's on my PS it's on my hard drive, but uh I, I I didn't go too far with it. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh so for me this is the first time I've seen this movie. Um get that out of the way now. But for the game, I think this is when I it came out while I was working at GameStop and so I used to buy just everything. Um and this was one that I bought and I played maybe mm, like 20 minutes of it, maybe. Um I don't remember much of it other than kind of the setting. And the setting is something that's Something I enjoyed most or one of the things I enjoyed most about the movie, it's just this cold, bleak world that they've created for Max Payne. Um, And that's played throughout the whole thing. And I remember there being snow in the beginning of the game. Um, But other than that, I didn't really play much of the game. I owned Max Payne 3 on the 360 for years and never put it in, never played it. I bought it super cheap and then just never played it. Um, I don't think I own it anymore, though. But I would like to go back now having seen the film, which apparently, and we don't have to give spoilers for the game, obviously, um, if we don't want to, um, but we can talk spoilers for the movie, obviously, but kind of stay away from from the game because I hear they're vastly different and Ash would be able to, to verify that, but I hear they're quite different from each other. But So 
right from the beginning, we have this um, scene of it. So it's it's the scene that takes place kind of at the end of the movie, right? So we get the end of the movie at the beginning of the movie, but we don't know where it kind of ties all in at that point. Um, and right from the beginning, I wrote down this very, it's very bleak, it's very cold, and it didn't give much away, which I like that. It kind of kept things a little mysterious at the start. Um, and that little did I know that that's that feeling that I got from that opening scene would be there for the entire film. I think this opening scene does a great job of setting the world that Max Payne is living in at this point. Uh, sure. I guess. Honestly, I've only, I was only able to watch this mo- one movie once or this movie once. And uh, it, it didn't really leave much of an impression for me. Mm-hmm. Um, right off the bat, what I felt from the film is that it was a lot like the other films from the era, like Sin City, the Spirit and Watchmen. It was what I thought was very um, CGI enhanced. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently they didn't use that many green screens for the filming of this film. Really? Um, yeah, it was surprisingly, uh, according to the Wikipedia. But uh, I, I just felt it was just another late 2000s attempt at a film noir, which didn't really work out for me. So to be honest, the whole film is a bit of a blur because it all looked the same. Yeah, it so I haven't seen Sin City, I haven't seen um The Spirit, um but I have seen Watchmen, th- literally the midnight showing of Watchmen when it came out and I've not seen it since. I actually just recently bought the 4K Blu-ray of it, but I haven't rewatched it. Um okay. and so when I was watching, it it very much reminded me of um what I've seen of Sin City in like yeah. the trailers and everything. And that's immediately what came to mind and that style kind of stuck with me. I forgot all about the spirit so I didn't make that connection, but that's a very obvious one as well just again from what I've seen from like box art and and trailers and whatnot. Exactly. Well, I never saw uh the spirit either. Mm-hmm. Um but just by its uh just by its look. Yeah. And just the time it, it came out, it, it just it all all seems like you could interchange the characters and it would actually work in the movie, like mm-hmm. in each other's movie, you know? Right. Um, like this one, it's it's very dark and very gray and mm-hmm. um, it's not a happy movie. And then, you know, and this is what I don't like about these types of films. Don't show me the fate of a character mm-hmm. right off the bat. And then we have to work back towards getting to that entry point. So... I didn't like the fact that we oh, we split the film. I hate that. It drives me nuts. It works great in like novels and short stories, but not for fucking films. Ugh, it drives me nuts. <laughs> and, and again, that's one of the problems I had with that uh, Good Neighbor movie is that you know interspliced within their their attempt to uh, terrorize their neighbor. I remember you uh, saying that. Yeah, you get all these court scenes, so obviously something did not go to plan. You know, mm-hmm. so I just it just it takes me out of the film, unfortunately. Yeah, honestly, I didn't, it didn't take me out of this one. I, I definitely see what you're saying. And I agree for the most part. Um, yeah. but here I thought it, w- it, it was okay for me. I don't know why, I guess. I just never even thought about it really. Um, but it didn't like ruin the rest of it for me because I didn't know why he was in the water. I didn't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wasn't dead necessarily. Um, so I don't know. It was just okay. Yeah. Um, but I definitely see what you're saying. Um, and I think talk, continue talking about the style because I think it's such a huge part of it. I think I, I actually really liked that that style. I really liked it, actually. Um, okay. And I think it might just be because I didn't see those other films, and so it hasn't, like, worn thin on me yet. Um, but like you said, I don't think it works 
as a noir because I, noirs can are can, are some of the most brilliant movies out there, right? Like they, the use of lighting and color is what makes them so damn in, just smart and, and, and enjoyable mysterious. to watch. Mysterious, yeah. yes. This one doesn't have that. I feel like it. It tries to. It's kind of like a big Hollywood's attempt at it. You know, like you're kind of implying. Well, and it, 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 to me, it's kind of like they want to make Max Payne like a Mickey Spillane in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, where you have to write this wrong, and then you can start on your own little, you know, investigator uh, missions. Right. Uh, which is funny. If we fast forward to the end of the film, I guess there's an after credit stinger. Yeah, there is. Which I didn't see because I honestly okay. turned it off after I was done. And apparently yeah. it's supposed to set up uh, future films. But yep. since it didn't do as well in the box office, that never materialized. Yeah, that's what I figured. It's very – the only reason this is here is to set up a sequel because it kind of gives us – because at the end of this, it was one of the things I was kind of disappointed in was that it ends where it does. And we don't see – like, is he going to prison? Like, how – and if he isn't, how is yeah. he not? Like, there's nothing that kind of uh, – that points us in any direction on what his future will be. And with that post credit scene, that kind of does. And uh, yeah, it's basically just him and uh, Mila Kunis's character, whose name I didn't even catch throughout the entire film, uh, Mona. Her name is Mona. Max as well. Aren't they all called Max in this movie? Mona Sachs. Oh, I thought it was yeah. Max Sachs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, which yeah, I was surprised to see her in this movie. Like, me too. I got, surprised, I got surprised twice when she popped up. And then when Bull freaking Bridges pops up. Oh, yeah. See, I don't I don't know him that well. And so I didn't uh, – that one didn't kind of – that one didn't do anything for me. But Mila if definitely he, did. If I did not have a father – let's say my father passed away when I was a young child and never met my dad. Mm-hmm. His character in The Wizard would be the dad I'd want to have as a dad. Oh, okay. See, I've not seen The Wizard, so I can't comment. But <laughs> Oh, do you, do you own the movie? Yeah, I, I bought it recently on DVD, yeah. I wonder what I'm gonna pick at the end of this episode. <laughs> Teaser alert! Oh, um, man. Yeah, I've always liked Bull Bridges because he's just got that nice face. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's a good guy, right? He See, wouldn't be behind anything. That's what pissed me off is that I was able to guess the end bef- way well before oh, I feel like I should have. You're not the only one. Yeah. I I saw the writing on the wall like right after the credits rolled, like <laughs> you, like like opening credits. You know right away where this is going to go. Mm-hmm. Again, I think because of the casting. To be honest with you, yeah, yeah. yeah. I what think did you because because it was Bo Bridges. I'm like his wife worked there. He's the head of security. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't yeah, have to. Could've... They throw in that because he's the head of security. Now we're supposed to laugh at his jokes line. I was like, oh, that's going to be important. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, I, it's really too bad. For the film-wise, um, even now I'm still disappointed that they didn't stick a little bit closer to the game with this. Mm-hmm. Um, because the game storyline was fucking awesome. Yeah. And it would have actually translated pretty good to a film. And they... It's not that they dumb it down. It's they kind of threw out like a chunk of it and then tried to make it work with like a bunch of other stuff that they threw in. And it's just it doesn't feel the same anymore. And I don't know whether I don't know whether it's part of. um, Okay, I I, 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 listeners, dear listeners, you have to understand. (laughs) I have a problem with Mark Wahlberg. (laughs) Oh, I either man. love him in a movie or I fucking hate him. There is no middle ground. I can't so remember what I your thought was on Saw. Did you love him or hate him in Saw? 
That wasn't him. It wasn't oh, that's him. right. It was his brother. That's yes, right. it was his brother. That was uh, Goldberger. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I either love him or hate him. Uh, it, there is no middle ground, and he will make our. If he's like the major portion of a film, and I hate him in that role, it'll kill the whole movie for me entirely. <laughs> and I think it. I, I was like going into the movie when I first saw it with like, a, oh God, it's Wahlberg. This is either going to be good or I'm going to fucking hate it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think he was right for this role. I, he doesn't work for me at all mm-hmm. in this. He, he he works for me best when he's playing the kind of goofy off the wall kind of character. I, I never like him in his like super serious roles and he just doesn't, he doesn't pull it off for me at all throughout this whole movie any of the times i've watched it it's just like ugh. yeah Yeah. i don't know there's like you know scenes that should have like this emotional wallop he's just kind of it's like oh come on right see now here's here's why i i liked him in this and i do have some problem with the casting and i'll talk about that in a second but here's why i i thought him and his role was fine was because he wasn't he was playing one note virtually the entire film. He wasn't asked to really go anywhere other than living in this hell that he's created for himself. And so yeah. because of that, I think he did fine with it. I didn't have a problem with him. I generally like him. Like I liked him in The Happening, which I'm probably the only person in the world. But you I are. actually liked him in The Happening. I actually Thank you. Thank you. These are gross. I got to change. But the, the problem I had with casting was Mila Kunis. I just didn't buy her as this kind of like badass femme fatale that she's supposed to be playing yeah, here. No. Yeah. I, I absolutely. Buy it for a second. Yeah. I I is she she I don't like any of the casting in this movie. The um the only one I even remotely like the casting for and it's more because he's so throwaway is Chris O'Donnell. Oh, as um <laughs> I was Jason. I don't I was even know who that is, frankly. Chris O'Donnell? Yeah, I, I have to I have to look him up. Oh, from Robin NCIS LA. Batman and okay. Robin movies. Oh, Batman yeah. and Robin, yeah. And, and uh Sin, Sin of a Woman. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was yeah, surprised he, to see him there. You could tell when he did this movie he was on hard times, but it's like <laughs> uh, and, and I I like Chris O'Donnell usually, but it was just like it, he was probably the only casting choice that I thought I liked for this and it was more of like a, a pity cast on that end of it but it was just like uh, uh, yeah he might have had a parking ticket had to pay or something and needed, yeah. to, needed to work oh man that's awesome um yeah and so I think that was that was just one of the the big problems for me was was the cast itself um but surprisingly I actually thought Wahlberg was fine with the with the role well I think you're right though because it is a one-note character. Mm-hmm. You know, until it gets over the hump of, you know, avenging his family. Right. He's going to be that one-note character, right? So, mm-hmm. in a way, it's like I could see him play the role or I can see Keanu Reeves play the role. Yes. Yes, you know? absolutely. It, it is an old version of John Wick. Mm-hmm. I would have loved Keanu Reeves in this role, though. See, I think Keanu would have pulled it off better than Mark Wahlberg. Hmm. And, That'd be and interesting to see. This was 2008. What was Keanu Reeves doing at the time in 2008? Let's find out. <laughs> Let's find out how to spell Keanu properly. <laughs> but thanks to the comedy, I have no problems. Exactly. So, in 2008, he was in his Street Kings mode. So, he did oh. Street Kings, and then he did The Day the Earth Stood Still. They both came out that same, oh, uh, that same year. Oh, shit movie. 
Yeah, yeah I never saw it. The so this is fucking brilliant. Yeah, the remake. Just is- skip the uh, skip the day the Earth is still remake. Watch yeah. the fifties version. I don't care if it's a B movie sci fi. It's a much better film. Yeah, yeah, and and really, just prior to to that, you know, in 05 did Constantine, which I liked a lot. I Again, love Constantine. I do. Yes. I loved him in Constantine. Similar similar role though, right? Yeah, and that's what I was thinking too. Like with the demons, I definitely thought about Constantine throughout this, and okay. it's another film around this time. And talk about the demons. I again, knowing very little of the game and not seeing the movie up until uh, a few days ago. I really thought there was a supernatural element to this. I did I not at any point in time think that was a Valkyrie. That's a fucking winged demon. I thought it was a winged demon. I, what's a Valkyrie? Uh, it's a female, it's a female, uh, like a Viking. Oh, you, right. You know, like, like the like tattoo artist talks about. Right, yeah, right, like right. Like Gauntlet. You know, you got the Barbarian, yeah, you got the Valkyrie. Are, Valkyries are never supernatural, though. That's the thing is they're, they're basically, uh, uh, they're gods. They're, they're the... Yeah, they're really kind of related to the Furies in in uh, Norse mythology, but they they come out and collect people to fight in in uh, Ragnarok for Odin. So, yeah, but, just just the way they're portrayed in this movie, like when when the junkie, so did the junkie push himself back, like you know, back first through a window uh, to land on the, on the car, or was right. he actually pulled by a demonic winged uh, shadow? If you would have asked me while I was watching, I thought for sure he was pulled. Because that's, well, it, I thought I was watching a supernatural film. Like exactly. But now I'm not sure. Like yeah. So so I was excited. I'm like, oh, this is gonna, they're gonna have a supernatural element, you know. Um, so and, this might actually it's a lot. It's gonna be a lot like Constantine. And right. It was really. It's all me- metaphysical, and mm-hmm. it's it's you know it's a, an allegory to, to to the addiction. Is that the right word? Allegory. Oh, it sounded good. So you yeah. know. Um, I was really bummed by that. I I wanted some some supernatural, and it it didn't happen. Yeah, and I think I would have – I feel like I would have been happier had they kind of played with that element more as well. And uh, – because that was something I was going to say is that I think with these – like and now I'm realizing the Valkyries, but I was calling them demons throughout the whole thing, um, that they're – if there was if there was more use of them, because I think one they looked really cool, and two they added this whole other thing to the film that I really liked, and then that just kind of disappeared. And I was like, oh, come on. Yeah. Well, now, they did look really cool. That's the thing. Yeah. Like they were they were awesome, but then it it uh, like it I just, love it that fails shot. I love that shot of it's like the one of the first slow motion shots in it where. Max makes the break for the the junkie that he's trying to talk to, and you know the slow motion shot goes through the wall and pull the de- it shows the Valkyrie pulling the junkie off. I mean that's such a that's a badass shot, yeah. and that reminded me at that point I was like, oh yeah. Now maybe I'm wrong, but Ash and Ash can correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the game use these same things? I remember kind of in one of the opening stages, I remember seeing shadows of like something flying around. Am I making that up or is that something that happened in the game, Ash? Uh, If I remember right, he's strung out from what happened to his family. Uh, It's been a really long time since I played this. Um, And he ends up having like really fucking bizarre flashbacks. I mean, at one point you're okay. walking through like an empty space, trying to stick on a uh, walk on a blood trail back to your son, mm. dead son's room in the game. So, you know, it's, it's trippy. There's a lot of trippy shit. Right. Yeah. It, it kind of makes sense because, you know, it's all about the game and, and how you play it. It's all about control. And <laughs> if you can take it, you know, <laughs> Uh, I would even say it's all about your debt if you can pay it. 
but it could also be about the pain and who's gonna make it oh my god thank you god know? for you you yes. know what i mean absolutely 100 percent with you yeah yeah no i don't follow <laughs> Well, well I, I am the game and you don't want to play me. Um, I am controlled. There's no way you can change me. Uh, I am heavy debts. No way you can pay me. <laughs> I am the pain and I know you can't take me. Oh, I hope people understand that, but I'm sure they won't. You know, all I got to say that, I'll say that is, it doesn't matter what your name is. Oh, you son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. Oh, my God. I love that this has devolved into a wrestling promo thon. I'm going to go back to watch my muted pornography on next uh, video. There you go. Perfect. (laughs) All right. Oh, man. Um, so some scenes I enjoyed, obviously the, the, the slow motion scene I was talking about. And I really liked, um, kind of early on, there was that bathroom scene in the subway. Um, I thought that was pretty tense and I thought, uh, they just did a good job with it. Um, I didn't know it was gonna ha- where it was gonna go, um, but then where it goes is like the expected path, which I think is kind of the swan song for this. Is that it kind of always goes in the way you might expect it, um, and that's definitely one of the, uh, the the weak points of the movie and as a whole. But as it was going, I, I liked how it was set up. Um, any other f- scenes that kind of stood out to you guys? I'm trying to remember any others that that stood out. Um, well, yes. Um, oh, I'm trying to think. It might I might be mistaken. This another film. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow, it all looks the same. Um, I did find the whole him versus the SWAT team interesting. Yes. Um, now the thing is, I wasn't sure, was that police SWAT or was that building security SWAT? I think what I gathered from it was that it was, if it's not building security SWAT, it's somebody that BB has like paid off to show up. And so it could just be a corrupt police force, whatever. It's definitely not because the cops were not called. And that's what, um, what's his name? The Ludacris's character, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what he... Then Ludacris is able to stop the whole thing at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, and damn, all this paperwork now. You know, like, right. what? Something is this actually like? I'm thinking maybe this is a cop or these are police officers, but uh, I assume that they were uh, they were like known as elite security for the building. Yeah, another. So, and that's so, yeah, the, so the gunfight uh, sequence was actually pretty cool. Yeah, because- what disappointed me about that, and again, Ash, correct me if I'm wrong, Max Payne, one of its like big things that it did in the game was bullet time, oh, right? Yeah. That was it was a full blown game mechanic. You could actually yeah. play it without it, but uh you could do all sorts of shit with that. That was the whole draw uh that was like their big advertising point for the game, other than the fact that it was it was supposed to be like playing a comic book, but at the same time mm-hmm. you were supposed to be able to do all the matrix bullshit in it. So. Right. And how yeah. do you make a movie off of this and not use the bullet time? Like they barely used it. They use it toward the end, but the slow motion they decide to go with is weird parts. Like they choose to like wrap around him holding the gun for an extended period of time and then like that's it it's like why didn't you do the bullet heading out of the gun like i just it was strange choices with it where they use the slow-mo and a lack of slow motion when you're playing a game that was built around this bullet time you have such a good opportunity especially in that fbi shootout scene or the the swat team shootout scene i thought would have been perfect for it well i think as well they didn't want to make the film look too much like the matrix well bullet time could be to the matrix you know Mm -hmm. so they're trying to do a different uh a different, uh, I guess, method for the same type of action. Yeah. 
So, and I just yeah, don't I, think it worked that well, unfortunately, I guess is, is my complaint. Well, it just wasn't used enough, I think. Well, actually, yeah. it was used uh, two or three times in the film. And I guess you can't do it every time. So I, I didn't have that much of an issue with it. I just, you know, um, yeah, I didn't have too much of an issue with it. Yeah, I think the only reason I had an issue was because of that was one of the few things I remembered from the game. And I just wanted to see it more, I guess. That was the only reason I had an issue with it. If otherwise, I'm I'm sure we'd have been fine with it, you know? Yeah. But um, I loved, what's her name? Uh, the Mila Kunis's sister. She was gorgeous. Uh, and then like name. when she, yeah, I don't know. I can't find her. Yeah, really? Oh, Natasha. Oh. Olga Kurilenko. Kurilenko. Uh, when she goes back to the, um, to Max Payne's house. Oh, wow. That was yeah. fun. She's beautiful. Yeah, she's she super really good. She looks really good oh, wrapped around in that brown sheet. Yeah, she's right. familiar. She was in she's Quantum not. of Solace. That she James Oblivion, which we, which was like the second episode of the Cinefessions podcast that we did. Yeah, I and remember her. Wasn't she also in uh, Triple X? Looking right now. Oh, was she? I don't know. I've not seen I that. Thought so, but you know, what? I, I don't. I don't see like, that. Maybe yeah. not. But yeah, Quantum of Solace, I've seen her in. She's in um, Hitman, another video game adaptation. Oh, Centurion, she was in that. We've we podcasted about that one too. Oh, I don't remember. You know, I remember film. seeing it, but I don't remember her in it. Yeah, I don't. I and that one I don't either. But I do remember from the um, whatever Oblivion, I guess. Yeah, but, yeah, I thought she was good. Um, disappointed that she died so uh, so early on, but. Very disappointed. You know, I was, I was surprised died so early. I guess just because it was uh, the actor that I recognized was his partner. It's his name's not popping up here. Oh, uh, Donald uh, Logan, uh, his real name. Or is it Donald Logan or Donald Logue? Uh, let me go back here. Uh, um, who the oh, hell is yeah, it? Donald Logue, which is Alex Balder. Okay, yeah. Like, he's a very recognizable actor. I just expected him to be there longer. Um, yeah. And I actually like him, but... Um, you know what surprised yeah. the fuck out of me? Hmm. It, who played his wife? It's Nelly Furtado. Oh, is it really? Yeah, I'm not sure if, if she's really well known in the states, uh, but in Canada, oh, like yeah. she's a, she's from BC. So, like, is that Nelly oh, Furtado? Okay. Yeah, I would so, uh, I would never have recognized her as Nelly Furtado. I know the name and I know like her music and stuff, but yeah. I never would have recognized her from look from looking at her. But that's interesting. yeah, I actually made some like I made a comment out loud. I'm like, that's Nelly Furtado. Like, that's, yeah. <laughs> that was weird. I don't. I, maybe they filmed in Canada. I know actually, but they probably filmed in Toronto. Um, but yeah, I was surprised to see her in it. Yeah, yeah, it looks like um, filming locations. At least one was Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Yeah, Toronto. Yep, Hamilton, Oi. Toronto film. Um, speaking of of the wife, so obviously the the biggest uh, kind of uh, push, the the factor that's pushing him forward is trying to find out this killer. And I thought it was interesting and kind of strange that, th- and they kind of did later on, but they never really uh, personify, put a picture to the the face of the child at all. They only talk about the wife, and then even when they're talking about it. The people like will make mention of his wife dying, but there's so little mention of the fact that this infant was was murdered as well. And I thought that was really strange because how better to get to garner sympathy for a character, but then having his not only his wife, but his infant child die too. Why would you let that second half kind of go by the wayside? It feels so important. And I thought they just didn't uh, didn't use it the way that they could have. Trying to think, was she pregnant or was the kid already a kid? I think the kid was a kid because they were holding it at one point. She was there, yeah. They were holding it in the flashback. 
and she okay. was not holding an embryo. I want to make sure. Uh, right. No. I I've don't. seen a lot of like yeah. kid movies with pregnation and lactate. Oh, that's what I'm watching right now. Uh, but <laughs> I just want to make sure I got my film straight here. Okay. Uh, no. Yeah. You're you're in the you're in the Max Payne world, so you're good. Okay. Good. But, good. I feel I feel safe. No. Yeah. Um, going back to kind of the the style of the film and how it feels like, uh, just I don't how how can I say it like they're trying to make it feel like a noir is kind of the opposite of it. It's just so easy. It's so basic. So during the now it's all dark and dank and there's no, the sun's like never out. It's always snowy and shit like that. And then in the flashback, you have like an over saturation of light. It's yellow. It's orange. It's bright. He's wearing white in the flashback scene where he's wearing black every other time he's smiling. He's not versus he's not smiling. I mean, it's just so, it's just is as basic and kind of I don't know how else to say it other than than just uninspired, I guess. It's as basic as you can get with it. And I was like, why can't we just do a little bit more? Make it less obvious to me, I guess. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But So what else about about this one? Um did you like the character of Max Payne as you were watching the film? Did you like his character? I didn't dislike him. I thought mm-hmm. he's a little far-fetched. You know, yeah. again, it's, you know, uh, it's a man versus, you know, police and mob and drugged up kingpins. So, like, right. it, it just, it, it doesn't, you know, a movie like, see, a film like Crash and this film has a lot of similarities as well, except that Crash has a personality and Max Payne really doesn't. So. You're talking about Crank again? Yo, did it say Crash? Yeah. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And, it, and this time I'm thinking about the Cronenberg film. So everybody's like, section car crashes. Um, yeah, no, I uh, I don't hate him, but I don't like him either. He's yeah. just there. Like, yeah, let's say, you know, like he's bland. He's one note. He's, mm-hmm. he's really. He's Mark meh. Wahlberg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, again, it just goes, it's just so. I wish I was smarter and so I could come up with another word, but base, just very just stereotypes caricature um he's a gray tone nothing like, deep, if he'd right. be a color he'd be the color gray yeah absolutely you know? yeah um it kind of reminds me of like the punisher where you know his family dies and then it's all black and you know try, i'm talking about the the like 2004 film i think is from the year with uh uh you, you know what, and everything but I think I, it's with the punisher he was better. able to he was able to smile a bit yeah you know like at least there was some comic relief in the punisher with, with um you know the the guy who cooked and then the guy who played video games and social and then you had the girl right there's, i watched it n- once a long time ago i can't tell you any specifics at this oh, point but i, I like it but yeah. uh there, there, he's got nothing to play against in this one you mm-hmm. know he deals with the with um with uh mia kunitz and she's very one note as well. Like, yeah. really, you could interswap it where instead of his wife and kid dying, it's her husband and kid dying. Yes. You know, like, you can swap them. You can palette swap them, no problem. Mm-hmm. And then as the main bad guy, um, apart from BB, you've got uh, Jack Lupino, uh, who's played by Amori uh, Nolasso from uh, Prison Break. And he's really one note as well, where he doesn't oh, yeah. have much. He doesn't have much character development, and he gets dispatched by uh, by Bo Bridges of all people, mm-hmm. not even by Max Payne. 
And you what know? kills me is they build him up. He's the 1% that made it through, right? Yeah. That didn't go crazy, basically. And yeah. he fucking dies seconds into like the fight and not even from Max Payne, but from both Bridges carrot from BB. Yeah. And it's one shot to the, to the chest and he's done. It's like, why were you, you, you spent an entire film building him up as this uh, basically subhuman, you know, uh, more than human, I guess. So not subhuman, mm-hmm. but, uh, superhuman is the word i'm looking for character and then he dies in one fucking gunshot to the chest i mean yeah. come on at least shoot him in the legs a few times let him walk around something you know it's like come on expect the guy with two facial tattoos to take at least two hits <laughs> that's that's generally what i think of yeah like tyson he's he's taking a couple hits before he goes down you know yeah but, like you know if you're gonna be all like a super soldier mm-hmm. you're gonna take more than a shot yeah and you know i would assume you wouldn't have to you you know you wouldn't feel pain right so you'd be able to you still fight back right and there was really nothing of that here it was really weak yeah i, I, I believe there's no way he could be dead but yeah he was. he's one of the main bad guys one of the main villains in the first game i believe <laughs> oh okay i believe i believe don't quote ash me is that. that is that right um i think so like i said it's okay, been a really long remember, time. yeah right yeah, the um, I thought so. Ludicrous his character. He, he was the d- other detective, right, Jim? Yeah, he he was in, in internal affairs. Okay, he what such a a weird ass character. Who again? It's one note, uh, kind of throughout this entire thing, and his approach when he starts talking to Max Payne, um, like I, it's like your goal was to piss him off. The way he they had that conversation, I just what? Why did you decide to question him in that manner? Like, what a weird approach to take. Well, your internal affairs and every internal affairs uh, detective in any movie is always abrasive and uh, yeah. you know antagonizes the hero of the film, right? You've never right. seen a nice internal affairs guy. Yeah, right. That's true. Unless, That's unless true. it's one of those stupid uh, parody comedies. Hmm. Yeah. But I'm also looking at Ludacris's uh, filmography here. Yeah. And this has to be before he made it big with Fast Five. Oh, yeah. And, Fast Five was only a few years ago, wasn't it? I'm trying to look. Well, we're at eight now. Yeah. And don't um, they come out and, about yearly? And this came out in 2008, right? Why can I not see? He's had so many credits because of his TV work and all this uh, son of a bitch. Fast Five was 2011, so... Really? Yeah. Okay. Was he in Fast Four then? I don't know. I don't. I, yeah, I'm not sure. Funny that enough, was Tokyo I, Drift, wasn't it? No, no. No, that no. Was uh, that was three. Yeah. For some reason, I can't even find him in. Uh, oh, I'm looking at soundtrack. That's why. Jesus oh. Christ, dear Chris. Okay, so Max <laughs> Payne. Uh, Max Payne was 08, and then Fast Five was 2011. Interesting. Hmm. So this is before he became before he made a lot of money with yeah. the uh, with the Fast and Furious uh, series. Like he wasn't too Fast and Furious, but you know there was no uh, there was <laughs> there was no way he was going to come back. You know, mm-hmm. and then Fast Five hit, and now it now he's uh, he's huge. So yeah. <laughs> um, and I think uh, another disappointing aspect was that some of the more interesting characters were ones that we got so little of. Uh, for example, I thought. And and frankly, what else could we have used him for? Nothing. But I oh, thought he was one of the more interesting characters that was the tattoo artist. Um, I don't know what it was about him, but it's just – it felt like he had a more interesting story to tell than nine-tenths of the rest of the of the characters that we were actually introduced to. 
I agree with that. It just it was the cadence in his voice. Yeah, he had that he had that Sam Elliott style voice. Yes, but the look of a washed out former addict who's not a tattoo artist. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I wanted to hear more. I could he- listen to that guy talk all day. Yeah, <laughs> it was quite soothing, honestly. Um, so yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, and then there were some scenes that kind of left me. I, I was unsure or questioning toward later stages here. Um, the first one, I didn't quite understand why the. I guess uh, he sounded like he had a Jamaican accent. The guy that Mila Kunis was talking to, and he tells her to avoid Max Payne. I I didn't understand at all why he won. Put that in the trailer. Put the Jamaican guy. Yeah, avoid Max Payne. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh God. That went over my head. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't understand why. One, how does he even know him? And two, why is he telling him to her to avoid him? It just it didn't make sense to me. And clearly it didn't make sense to anybody else either. So, so I'm not sorry, alone. She, sorry, she's lactating again. I'm sorry. Oh, let me, God. Let me, let me, let me turn this off. Oh. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know either. I, I honestly don't know. And, and what was that story? Like, did Max, did he go into like a storage unit? Or, or was it something else where he went to like find um, the files, and that's where he found the first connection between the pharmaceutical company and the angel tattoo? Was that yes. just like his? Yeah. Well, that, for some reason, he has a huge storage unit. Yeah. It felt like it was in a police station. I, that's what I was organized. wondering. But uh, well, at least it, maybe it was. But I thought it was like a. It was like one of those storage units, like those pods. Yeah, because they show him seconds later opening the lock to a pod like that. And then yeah. that comes in and it's like, it does, it looks like the basement of a police office, like, uh, you know, yeah, police office and everything's perfectly organized. How could there be that many files if it was just about his wife, which- He's uh, very meticulous. God, I just, it was weird. Just yeah, strange. it was, it, it seemed kind of weird. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think if there was anything else that, um, was, that stood out or was worth talking about, um, and nothing's really springing to mind right now. I'm just trying to go through my notes a little bit here and see if there's anything else. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I took some notes as well. And there's, I, I think we talked about what is the most important of the film. Right. Like, I'm, like I'm looking at just, apparently um, in that, uh, in that uh, shooting scene mm-hmm. uh, in the, uh, in the business with the SWAT team. Yeah. Uh, 6,000 squibs were used. Which oh wow! I can appreciate because I hate CGI bullets, CGI mm-hmm. blood, CGI motion shots. Right. And just knowing that they actually set up six thousand squibs, you can see it because it was really cool seeing the building pretty much disintegrate. Yeah, with all the gunfire, which yeah. I dug a lot. And I really um, liked the explosions. They didn't look they I, they may have been, but they sure as hell didn't look CGI to me. It looked like they were doing practical explosions, which I thought looked really cool. Yeah, it seemed that way. Yeah. Um. It's actually funny, you know, we're talking about how Wahlberg isn't a good actor or how he's wooden in some scenes. Mm-hmm. He was actually nominated for a Golden Raspberry. Oh, was he? The year that they got, this got uh, released and lost to Mike Myers for The Love Guru. Oh, jeez. <laughs> That's fantastic. I don't know. That's a tough call right there. That is <laughs> a tough fucking call. Oh, oh I, I've never seen Love Guru. I got no plan right. on seeing Love Guru. No, me either. I, I'm just going based off of the trailers. I haven't seen it either. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. from a visual uh, standpoint, we've already talked about it at length. But one other moment that I liked was um, when they went to what they called Ragnarok, 
And mm-hmm. the sign actually says Ragland, Ragland and Rock. And it's just lights burned out and forms the word Ragnarok. I thought that looked really cool. I thought that was yeah. a pretty uh, unique way to handle it. I thought you thought it was awesome. It's so underground, man. Right. Yes, exactly. You need to know people to just get inside. <laughs> oh, man. Um, One thing that surprised me about BB and that whole situation was the fact that, and it seems kind of out of character, frankly, but the fact that BB did the deed himself. He didn't, I thought he like hired someone to do it. But it was kind of interesting that he actually did it himself. I thought that was surprising, at least. Yeah, I'm surprised too. And I think it's just the way to tie everything together. Mm-hmm. Um, because why would you go? Right, exactly. Unless yeah. you wanted to talk to, uh, you know, say, say one last thing to the wife mm-hmm. for a killer. But why would you even put yourself into that danger? Right, yeah, it doesn't make you any know, sense. Yeah, hire a bunch of uh, methods and do it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that was just poor planning on BB. Yeah, idiot. That's why you're totally you're the head of security. Why get your hands dirty? Yeah. Did you did you understand why Max took the drugs at the end there? Was it because he was I, dying? Yeah, I think it was hurting pretty bad. Okay, because he I, I, that's what I I wrote it down and then I thought maybe after that's why because you hear his heart pounding like before he takes it and then obviously after. But um, I think it might have been took it right after he got out of the water, right? Yeah. Or maybe it's because Mark Wahlberg saw a rough cut of the film. <laughs> I, I could use some of that uh, some of that medicine, but you yeah. know, I, I think just to, to heal up because he was on the verge of dying. He was yeah, in that exactly. water for a long time. Yeah, his little roar was a bit silly. I thought. <laughs> right I, I thought the drug. I thought it was quite manly. Yeah, <laughs> you love a good manly roar. I, I, I enjoy a good roar. Yeah, good for you. Thanks. Oh. <laughs> 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 Yeah, and I love that shot of Max just like unloading on uh, on BB and uh, BB's partners. I thought that looked really cool. I think that's another moment where they used the bullet time, if you will, or slow motion. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, and I think uh, we talked about the C four going off. I thought that was great. Um, and then at the very end, just to to kind of lay lay on the the fact that it's you know. <laughs> dark versus light happy versus sad as soon as he kills bb the sun comes out and i'm like oh okay thank you (laughs) (laughs) thank you for that so yeah and then like you were talking about the post credit scene um the sun's out for that so there's that one it looks like max and uh, mila kunis's character stay out of prison and like to drink together because they show up at the bar together um and basically with the the head of the pharmaceutical company is still making a ton of money i guess and their stocks are are are, uh splurge uh going up splurging whatever skyrocketing is the word i'm searching for um and uh so I'm sure that the sequel would have been these two trying to take down like the fraud that is the pharmaceutical company president is kind of what I imagine that the sequel would be if there were one. But sure. Yeah. So, so anything else? Did we, I think we covered it all, frankly. Yeah, yeah I, I think so too. I don't think I have anything yeah. else to say regarding this film. Okay. So Ash, what is your final thoughts and your star rating for Max Payne? I really wanted Max Payne to be good because of how much I loved the game. Mm-hmm. It had some moments, but I think they chucked too much of the game mythology away and they focused too much on, like uh, you guys had said earlier, the wife as opposed to the mm-hmm. wife and kid. You know, he lost them both. Right. Um, and it, that was a big deal in the game and they just kind of, eh. 
Oh yeah, he had a kid. Uh, and it, there's just a lot of really uneven crap throughout the movie. And while I can forgive them not including everything from the game, the whole point, you know, them not really doing any bullet time when the whole game was about using bullet time to your advantage, uh, along with telling a cool story, kind of drops the ball. Um, it's visually kind of boring. There some decent effect shots. And they're not terrible. Uh, you know, some of the Valkyrie stuff looked pretty cool, but you know, initially I thought they were demons too. Uh, when we first watched it, um, so you know, there's that. Um, but I mean, overall, I think they could have done a lot better job if they just kind of focused a little bit more on the source material. Um, I give it. Ugh, I, I'm only going to give it one and a half out of four. Okay. Perfect. So Ash is going to give it one and a half out of four stars. And Mark, what is your final thoughts on your star rating for Max Payne? Again, not being familiar with the, with the um, original source material, I'm looking at it straightly as an action flick. And it was just a generic action flick that seemed very similar to other action flicks made at that time. Um, didn't love it. Didn't hate it. I give it two out of four stars. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the problem with the film is something that we're all going to be repeating here. So Max Payne is a pretty standard Hollywood action film. The good guy wins out in the end, just as you would expect to see. Still, it had a really cool visual style that I actually really loved. And I would have loved to see more use of slow motion effects for some of the bullet hell scenes. But what was here was decent, I guess. Um, I thought Mark Wahlberg was was fine as Max Payne. He did a nice job with the role, given that it was one note. He didn't have a ton to do. Um, and I think that's why he did such a nice job with it. Uh, Mila Kunis is always fun to see in movies, and she does the best that she can. Uh, though I just had a hard time buying her as this femme fatale the entire film. I think the role could have been cast better, but it wasn't terrible by any stretch. Um, the biggest problem with Max Payne is that it doesn't really surprise the viewer at all. It doesn't introduce anything new or different to the genre either. It's just a straight action film and nothing more. So while I enjoyed it pretty well, I would have loved to see more chances taken with the film. It's a de decent action, action movie that I'm sure I'm going to forget uh, most of in a few days. So I'd give Max Payne uh, two and a half out of four stars. Um, and it's one that I actually liked it. More, I, I as I started it, I was liking it a lot, and then just liked it less and less as it went on, which doesn't happen all, often, I guess. You know, usually what I what you feel about a movie in the beginning is pretty much how you're going to feel about it at the end. But this one kind of just went downhill because it didn't do anything different for me. So, so I'll give it two and a half out of four stars. So next week we do the Silent Hill double feature, wrapping up the video game arc, which I am looking forward to talking about finally after. Mm -hmm. Uh, talking about it amongst ourselves for, man, over a year now. So awesome. So let's move over to the round 29 of the Besting the Backlog Challenge, where we try to conquer our personal backlogs one week at a time. So as a reminder for this feature, each of us takes a look at the other's unwashed pile, be it their home video collections or one of the streaming services like Netflix, Amazon Instant Video, or Vudu, and pick one film the other hasn't seen yet and challenge them to watch that film before the next podcast, where they then give a quick review of the film. So as a recap, this week we did a double feature week. Um, Mark, for the courtesy of me, you watched Nightwatch from 2004 and its sequel Daywatch from 2006. Yep. Uh, I, courtesy of Ash, watched Escape from New York from 1981 and Escape from L.A. In, from 1996. 
and Ash, you were going to watch After Porn Ends from 2012 and the sequel from 2017, but it turned out that After Porn Ends 2 was not available on Netflix, and so you just didn't have access to it, and so you're just going to talk about the first one today. Um, and then if you ever, if it ever does appear on Netflix, you can obviously you know, give us a rundown of that one in the future. But yep. Ash, go ahead and talk about After Porn Ends. Um. Okay, After Porn Ends is a documentary where they go around interviewing um, porn stars who have stopped doing porn. Uh, and it's about their lives, you know, <laughs> kind of after it. And they kind of reminisce about what they've went through. Um, they all have different experiences. Uh, they all have different takes on it. Um, it's, it's a, you know, it's kind of an unbiased look at it, really, um, as far as that goes. Uh, you know, because you've got different takes on it from all sorts of different people, not just girls, guys too. Uh, you know, and, and so it's kind of interesting getting it from the different perspectives. Um, it is a little depressing. Um, yeah. I will give it that. Um, but it is really well done. They, they managed to cover all their bases and keep it interesting. Um, so, you know, I, I, you know, if you are into like the history of porn, uh, or just porn in general, and or if you're just curious about what happens to these people after they're done with porn, uh, it's <laughs> worth a watch. So, um, I give it uh, three out of four. Awesome. And did you like this one, Mark? Because I think you watched it, right? Yeah, I did a lot actually. I okay. thought it was a really good view. Um, it wasn't glamorizing any lifestyle. It was just giving it giving the facts. Yeah. Some people had a good exit. Some people didn't. Hmm. Uh, there's a few that come to mind. I believe one was Raylene. Uh, she quit the business, became a uh, real estate agent. That work at tanks, so she had to go back to porn. Oh, that was kind of okay. heartbreaking uh, just because she didn't really want to. And now she was in the MILF category, even though she's like my age. Oh, um, so, you know, it was like a lot of like mother roles and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, another one, one of the first porns I ever saw was this fantastic film called uh, Bimbo Bowls from Buffalo. <laughs> and it's fantastic. Oh. And one of its male stars was Randy West. And he's featured in this movie as well. So to see him, you know, all these years later and kind of looking back on his life and how he he doesn't have the attention he used to have. Mm -hmm. It's it's really heartbreaking, hmm. you know? Um, so, yeah, I really like the documentary. I'm looking forward to watching the second one. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know, some people may, made it out okay. Others didn't. And it's, it, it's a, you know, it's an industry that can spit you out in a matter of months. And at least uh, these uh, stars uh, were able to uh, get a little more out of it, you know. But at the same time, it left them with a lot of baggage as well. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I did yeah. I did like his comment. Uh Randy had a comment later on where he's you know, he had a relatively successful career. He he golfs now for yeah. fun. Uh that's all mm -hmm. he really does is golfing. Um wow. and uh but uh he he likes to donate to charities, but charities won't take his money because he is a former porn star. And he's like, I think that fucking oh, wow. sucks because he's like, you know, they'll take money from politicians and or they'll give it to politicians. And a lot of them are dirtier than we ever were, you know, and he's <laughs> like, so, like celebrity golf tournaments where he can raise money for causes he cares about because that's the only way he can do it. So that's crazy. Mm -hmm. That is yeah. sad. Wow. Yeah. 
this is one I started watching it, um, but I only got like 10 minutes in and then I had to go somewhere or something. So I never finished it, but I definitely want to get back to it eventually. But yeah, it, it, it was it was really good. Really well made. It's it's worth checking out. Yeah, cool. it definitely. Yeah. So, Mark, how uh, go ahead and talk about the uh, night and day watch films. Not okay. Baywatch. Day. Day watch. Yeah. Yeah. I look back on my list and I had already seen that watch. Uh, it was okay. Baywatch I hadn't watched yet. Okay. Um, that said, though, it had been such a long time that I didn't really remember much of Day Watch mm-hmm. or of Night Watch. And if I would have gone into Day Watch blind, um, I would have been so confused. Okay. Um, so Night Watch uh, is from 2004. Um, it's directed by uh, Timur Beckman Betoff. Which I know I, I fucking butchered that, but he actually directed a Wanted with Angela Jolie and uh, James McAvoy. He did. That, that name's familiar now. I fucking love that movie. I don't care what anybody and, says. I love it. And he was also the producer for uh, Abraham Linker Vampire Hunter. Nice. Um, I'm just gonna look at his uh, at his uh, direct as uh, his director work. So yeah, um, yeah, he directed uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, and. I guess he That's did last movie. year's Ben Hur. Oh, okay. Which I was not aware. I didn't. Well, I, I'm a big biblical fan, and this is too biblical right. looking for me, so I didn't watch it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I knew him from Wanted, and so you have you have the power of good, power of bad, and the power of good and bad have been fighting for years on this bridge. So they decide to to have a truce, you know. Um, so. They have so the day, or I guess it's light and dark. The the light good people they're called uh, night watchers or night watch, or their organization's called night watch. And then the evil or the dark people uh, they have an organization called day watch. So they watch each over uh, watch over each other, and they police each other so that nobody spills any blood. Um, so you've got these two factions, and then you've got normal people that are known as others that if triggered by a traumatic event, they might have supernatural powers. And then it's up to them to either pick the light side or the dark side. So this film uh, is pretty much about this guy called Anton and uh, played by a a, a decent actor whose name I won't even attempt to pronounce because I'm just (laughs) going to mess it up. You know what? Fuck it. Uh, (laughs) Constantine Shabinsky. Constantine Shabinsky. Konstantin Shambansky. Konstantin, Konstantin. Anyways, uh, he plays Anton and uh, he's one of the others where uh, 12 years prior to the setting of the film, he goes to a witch because the woman he loves left him for another guy and he wants the witch to kind of hex her so that she comes back to him. Not knowing that she actually has a child, but he's told that it's not his. So he will, you know, have the witch kill the baby. He'll take the responsibility so that she comes back to him. Oh, long story short, baby's his. Uh, doesn't go through with everything because the Night Watch stopped the witch. That's where he gets, he becomes a seer and then can see in the future, but he can't decide what he wants to see. Just visions come to him. So now he becomes, you know, he's part of the good guys and he is trying to uh, combat the forces of evil. Um, movie starts off really cool because he's got himself who's a seer and then some of the Night Watchers are shapeshifters. So in the 
first like 10 minutes of the movie, two of these shapeshifters change their animal forms to stop the witch. It was like, holy fuck, this is cool. But then you never see it again. And like huh. this movie or, in, or Daywatch, it doesn't happen ever again. I'm like, hmm. fuck, that sucks. Um, <laughs> okay, I, I, I don't want to merge night and day into one storyline, but it's kind of hard because they kind of follow each other. Um, yeah, so so Nightwatch ends and then Daywatch begins pretty much right away where I don't want to spoil the movies either because I think – okay, now, I'm not going to spoil because I think people should see Nightwatch. I liked it a lot. Um, again, watching it in Russian with English subtitles. I've been watching so many movies with subtitles. Yeah. It's difficult for me to be on social media and watch all these films because I got to pause the movie because <laughs> yeah. I don't know what they're saying. Um, so Nightwatch ends. Yeah, I, I, I can't. I, I don't want to. I don't want to ruin it because it's actually it's really decent. Um, I gave it a pretty decent score. I think I gave it three and a half stars out of five. So it probably be like three stars out of four on our scale. Okay. But then Daywatch, I thought it was a complete mess. Oh, okay. A this complete mess. It's almost, I think it's like two and a half hours long, which Oof. I wasn't expecting. Yeah. It dragged. Um, and you're reading the whole yeah. damn thing? Ooh, that seems even yeah, it, well, well, that doesn't mind me. That doesn't bug me so much, but it, it, it's, I thought it was a chore to go through. Mm-hmm. And so I don't really enjoy that one as much. Um, I think I only gave it like, I probably only give it like two out of four stars. Okay. Um, now, the, the thing is, Okay, so you, have you guys seen the movies? No, I have not seen I've either seen the of them. First one. Okay, Ash. So the good guys, they tend to live kind of – they look like they live in poverty. Um, they look like sanitation workers. They drive these clunker vehicles. They kind of live in these shitty apartments. While the day watchers who watch the good guys, so they're the bad guys, they're in fucking fast cars – you know, they're dressed as the nines. Everybody's hot. If, if you can choose between day and night watch, why the fuck would you want to pick uh, day watch or night watch? Why would you want to be a good guy and <laughs> be all drabby when you can be a bad guy? Which technically there's a truce. So nobody's dying. So you can be a bad guy, live the high life and still not get killed because there's a truce. There's no war. Mm. I'd totally be a bad guy. I would not be a good guy. Comments. Um. <coughs> exactly. That's what I said. So I, yeah. So I think I, it would depend on your inner morality. It's like it, it's kind of like you know, do I want to be a Jedi or be a Sith? And it's like, well, kind of fuck them both. I want to live how I want to live. I, I just want to drive the fast cars and be with a hot woman instead of the drabbies. You know, <laughs> that, that's just me though. I'm very superficial. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and plus, like they're they're not fighting. Like you're you're the bad guys. But they're not bad guys. Sure, they're plotting because that's what bad guys do. They plot. <laughs> but they're not attacking people. You know, they may be instigating crowds, you know. But they're not like – they're not attacking innocent people. Hmm. So, yeah, I want to be – I want to live in a fucking high-rise hotel. I want to be a bad guy. Interesting. I, I, I'm not surprised. You seem like a bad guy. So, <laughs> oh, I'm horrible. I'm horrible. <laughs> Oh man! So, so re- recap your your ratings again on each of them. Yeah, so I'm gonna give uh, I'm gonna give out of four stars. I'm gonna give Nightwatch a solid three and okay. Daywatch a two. Okay. Yeah. 
Not terrible. Was, not terrible at all. No, no, they're not super bad. I was just I was really disappointed with uh, Day Watch. Yeah. Yeah, that does suck after enjoying the first one as much as you did. But. Yeah. Okay, very good. So I did the uh, Escape from New York and Escape from L.A. film. So I'm a huge John Carpenter fan, but I still have a few I, films I, I, of his I, I, that I haven't seen. Before you yeah. get into this, bear in my mind, my wife can hear you right now. I know, and that's fine. And uh, yes, I know. <laughs> I fear for my safety, but that's all right. So... <laughs> <laughs> okay um i've owned escape from new york like multiple times on dvd and blu-ray but i never ended up watching it for one reason or another um but screen factory recently released a collector's edition blu-ray of the film so of course i had to grab that one um and uh again it just sat on my shelf with all the other unwatched movies as my backlog continues to grow um but this week thanks to ash of course i finally knocked out not one but two John Carpenter films off my shame list uh, with New York and L.A. So uh, both films essentially follow the same storyline, but one takes place in New York and the other in L.A. Um, The original film sees the year 1997, and the crime rate has quadrupled. So they've created a military-like police force called the United States Police Force, and they've turned the island of Manhattan into a giant prison, uh, maximum security prison. So instead of going to like separate prisons, everyone is simply transported to Manhattan to live out the rest of their lives, however they're able to in such a shitty place. Well, uh, for some reason, Air Force One starts to go down and the president played by the wonderful, brilliant Donald Pleasance, which I was so happy to see him, uh, takes an escape pod and he lands right in the heart of Manhattan where he's uh, taken by the leader of the island, the Duke. Um, and the only person who they believe can rescue the president is a former war hero turned bank robber, Snake Plissken, which is obviously Kurt Russell. So they, they make a deal with him that if he gets in there and rescues the president, they'll pardon him of all his crimes. Um, and then the rest of the film is Snake trying to get the president out of the prison of Manhattan, hence the title Escape from New York. What I like about this movie is that it feels like an 80s New York film. It's dark. It's gritty. It's dirty. And I love that about it. As for Snake, honestly, I expected more from this character. Kurt Russell does a badass job as Snake, but the character itself is a bit weak. Sure, he can kick some ass, but the only reason he goes on this mission in the first place is because he's tricked into it. And even more so in the sequel, um, he tries to be a badass telling like the guy who's sending him on this mission what's up, but it never works for him. Sure, he ends up getting the last laugh, but according to the sequel, even that looks short-lived. I I loved watching Snake go around and kill the bad guys, but in both films, his character is tricked into going used by the system, gets lucky by sitting in a chair and shit happening around him that just happens to be related to what he's trying to do there, or somehow leads him to where he needs to go next, and then pulls a a gotcha at the end of everything. And he just comes off as easily, easily manipulative. And that's not a strong characteristic for a badass like Snake's supposed to be. Um, But outside of Snake, the best aspect of the film, and really the best aspect of both films, has to be the casting. The first movie has the aforementioned Donald Pleasance. It has Isaac Hayes, Harry Dean Stanton, Adrian Barbeau, Tom Atkins, Lee Van Cleef, Ernest uh, Borgnine, however you say that, Um, and of course, thank you, Borgnine, and of course, Kurt Russell. I mean, it's a stellar fucking cast, and they all do a great job with their roles. Um, And the movie... It's, it's a bit, for me at least, it was a bit reminiscent of The Warriors 
in that it's our protagonist in the Warriors protagonists. Um, but here our protagonist attempting to get from point A to point B. This time though, it's, it's in point A and then out of point A to point B, but it still feels similar. I'd argue though that the Warriors has a lot more unique life to it than Escape from New York presents. The characters are more colorful and out there, which makes it in, more interesting for the length of its runtime. I liked Escape from New York, but it didn't hit me in the way that I hoped it would, I guess I'd say. Um, it's a good chase film in a really cool setting, but it just failed to wow me in any way, I guess. Still, I would give Escape from New York three out of four stars because I did enjoy it. Now, as for the sequel, Escape from L.A., so where to begin here? So I guess I'll start with the pros. And it shares a pro with New York. It has a fantastic cast. Obviously, Kurt Russell is back as Snake. Um, but joining him this time around is uh, Steve Buscemi, Peter Fonda, Cliff Robertson, Pam Greer, and even uh, Bruce Campbell in an almost unrecognizable small role. Uh, they make great use of Busch- uh, Buscemi. Um, but I really feel like Pam Greer who is obviously a Cinefessions alum with her work during the Tarantino-thon, I thought she was completely underutilized here. Her character is almost swept under the rug immediately after we meet her, which is a real shame because she's brilliant. Um, But even with that said, I thought the cast did a a decent job with what they had to work with. But unfortunately, that's where the pros stop. My biggest problem with LA is that it's almost the exact same damn film as Escape from New York. The only thing it really introduces to the world is some technology and an evangelical president that predicted that LA would break off from the USA because it was quote unquote God's will. And then an earthquake happened to hit and it proved him right. The problem with this new story though, is that it leaves you with almost no one to root for outside of Snake. At least in the first film, he was doing what was right by rescuing the president. Here, he's sent in to literally kill the president's daughter because she turned on her country. And the way the president treats his daughter is completely fucking ridiculous. And it's just that, and it's only that way to help build him as this true evil leader that they're trying to make him out to be. Um, but the people in LA, unlike in New York, they're not criminals necessarily, but anyone who the president feels is immoral. So the island is filled with people whose crimes are nothing more than not being a Christian or uh, something similar to that. And because of that, you think that LA would be a, a bit of a nicer spot than New York? But frankly, I'd, I'd argue that it's worse. Here, the occupants have guns, which wasn't the case in the, the prison of New York. And that alone just makes it a more dangerous place to be. Um, the, the worst aspect of LA, though, has to be the horrendous green screen work that definitely does not hold up today. And frankly, I can't imagine people thought it looked that good back in 1996 either. It's just terrible. I mean, at one point, Snake Plissken is fucking surfing down the road with this other guy, and then they break up by fucking fist bumping. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Not only does it look like absolute shit, but Snake Plissken is surfing? Come the fuck on. What was Carpenter thinking here? It's it, it's completely absurd and way out of character from what we know of Snake. It's just as silly. It's just silly as fuck and not in a good way. And more than New York, LA also builds Snake up to be a bit of an idiot. He's again manipulated to do what the leaders want him to. And the only reason he goes into this island is because he's afraid to die. I'm not saying he shouldn't be afraid to die, but I feel like a guy like Snake might hide it a little bit better than he does here. At one point, uh, he, he tries telling the person that's sending him off that he'll, he'll just take the coat half of a suit that they want him to wear. 
But the guy throws the pants at him and tells him he'll wear it all. Snake doesn't fight back. Now, why even have this line in here from Snake? I know it's an homage to the first film, but it shouldn't have been in that movie either because it just weakens this character right right before he's supposed to go in and be this one-man army and save the world. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And again, just like in the first movie, the only reason he's able to continue his journey after his first idea fails is because of dumb luck and meeting the right people at the right time. It's the cabbie in the first film. It's the map to the stars Eddie here. Then... He runs into someone he knew outside of the islands who will help him reach his final goal. Again, just like the first film. Escape from L.A. is the same goddamn movie as Escape from New York, but with some really terrible CGI and some of the most out-of-place surfing I've ever seen in any film. And it's just not good. I loved the ending, which I won't spoil, but otherwise, this was a huge disappointment. I feel like I could go on and on, but I'm going to leave it there for now. Um, That said... I didn't like the sequel. I'd love to see the film that um, takes place between Escape from New York and Escape from L.A., though, and that would be Escape from Cleveland, because they talk a lot about Snake's adventures in Cleveland in between these two movies. And frankly, I'm surprised we haven't seen something from Carpenter about it, whether it would have been a uh, a film or a graphic novel or something like that, because he's big on doing graphic novels. They did. um, There is a comic book, Escape from uh, something comic book. I can't remember what, but... Oh, okay. Interesting. I definitely have to search for that. That's interesting. Okay. But anyway, so I'm going to give Escape from LA one and a half out of four stars. Uh, Escape from New York, three out of four. Escape from LA, one and a half out of four. Stick to the original. You'll be better off. And now I will accept all your hate. (laughs) I I will have to give you the special effects in LA do kind of suck. And... Um, the, uh, the plot is basically beat for beat from the first one. Um, the, uh, I don't necessarily think he was tricked though. Uh, I need, they scratch him while he's all handcuffed and infect him with the poison. Uh, there's no real trickery there. He's, you know, well, the, he couldn't there absolutely that. is trickery that he tricked him by making him believe it was this fatal disease that he was given. And the only way he can survive is if he gets back in time and takes the, the um whatever the cure yeah but you know yeah to me the best part of la would be the uh, acoustic soundtrack i love the theme at the at the end when that thing goes off and it's just uh, acoustic guitar for some reason i just love that theme well that's interesting uh, because i never even noticed it i think it was at the beginning as well but Hmm. i just remembered a lot at the end when shit goes down and he just walks away and it's got, yeah, this haunting guitar, which I, yeah, the, um, it's the best part of the film. Yeah. The, uh, the, um, escape from New York was all Carpenter music wise. Um, mm-hmm. the, I, uh, I love the score. I didn't mention that, but I did love the score for escape yeah. from New York. I would like to own that on vinyl. The score for escape from LA was based off of what Carpenter did with New York. And it was done by Shirley Walker who did Batman mask of the phantasms music. Um, oh okay yeah and and uh it's actually the score for that like if you just listen to the score separately the first half of it is really fucking awesome and then of course the end theme where snake you know the the harmonica and the guitar and shit is awesome um yeah but the um but yeah it was one of the last things she worked on before she died um i don't remember when she passed but uh yeah it, it i love what she did with the score for that the score is fantastic um I did like uh, there are two things, uh, uh, two little trivia bits I have to share with this. First is yeah. the Bruce Campbell part. 
Um, yeah. Bruce Campbell, was really cool. uh, their first day on scene, Kurt Russell walks up to Bruce Campbell. And he's like, I need you to do something for me. And then, you know, Bruce Campbell's like, yeah, sure. What, what do you need me to do? Say work shed. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so apparently Kurt Russell is a big fan of the Evil Dead movies. Awesome. <laughs> oh, man. Who isn't, though? Let's yeah, be like, right. come on. Yeah. You work in that genre. You don't like Evil Dead? Go fuck yourself. Right. Yeah. But uh, so, so I thought that was funny. The other thing was Kurt Russell was amazed that he fit into the original outfit from the first film still. <laughs> that is the original oh, wow. out- The one that they have in LA is the same freaking costume that they use in New York. That's awesome. It is funny though. There's a uh, there the there's a 15 year gap in reality between the two films, and it's and they do the same thing with the the timeline. Because if you look in the and and Escape from New York was what um, 1996 or 97. 97, yeah, yeah. And then the L.A. takes place 15 years later along the timeline, so it's like 2012 or something like that. <laughs> mm, yeah, interesting. That's cool. Uh, yeah, so unfortunately they uh didn't uh didn't quite do it for me, but I'm glad I watched them now. So awesome. Uh my my wife Mark. my wife also says yes. one thing to you. Um yeah. Bangkok rules. That's all she has to say. <laughs> oh man. Mark, what what were your thoughts on these films? Are you a fan of both of these or or no? A fan of the first one. Okay. Uh, I enjoy Escape from New York a lot. Okay. Um, again, that's in Carpenter's like you know, prime. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when you hit uh, Escape from uh, Escape from LA, you know that's where you get into like um, oh, what's that shitty? Well, vampires I kind of like, Ghost but then of Mars. you Ghost of Mars, which okay. it's kind of his I downturn. Don't, I don't, I don't know Ghost if that's a big but... really. Yeah, I would have to rewatch it. I know mm-hmm. I was really disappointed when I saw it. Yeah. I like, but it's it's got Jason Statham before he got really famous, yeah. and uh, I do like Natasha Hendricks mm-hmm. from Species. Yeah, um, and then of course Pam Grier's in. Is Pam Grier in it? I'm pretty yeah, sure she's in. She it. is. Yeah, she- yeah. Pam Grier in Ice Cube. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would mind checking that out again. Yeah. You know, if you ever do like a, a Carpenter, you know, hidden gems arc or a revisit Carpenter 2.0 or something, right. you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just seems like this isn't his like downturn where he was just like kind of doing stuff for, for, for cash, mm-hmm. you know? Um, cause really it's from New York. Did it need a sequel? I, no. I don't think no. so. Definitely. Not. I'm curious about the remake they're going to do now, which uh, I think Robert Rodriguez is, uh, is directing. Oh, and okay. I think, uh, Dwayne Johnson is attached to it as really? a snake. I think he's got so many projects on the go right now. I know he really does. And he's going to run know? for president. I mean, he's just got a full platter. That guy does. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I don't know what the actual state of that project is right now. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't mind like just like Ghostbusters, a remake or reimagining of the story and characters is not going to ruin the film for me. Right. You know, exactly. unlike, unlike some people, I love the original, um, mm-hmm. you know, do I want to see? Do do I need to see it again? No. Mm-hmm. If somebody's throwing money on it and they're going to, you know, revamp it for today's era, especially now with with uh, with your guy in, in charge, totally plausible. Right. Yeah, exactly. So so why not? You know, um, definitely. Yeah. So um, yeah. So again, yeah, I love the first. I, I love the. Uh, I love New York. Not a big fan of LA. I do like the, you know, this the surgeon of Beverly Hills, like Bruce Campbell's uh, cameo mm-hmm. is lots of fun. Yeah, it really is. Um, you know, Pam Greer is is creepy as uh, 
you know, voice. Uh, with that voice. Um, yeah, the rest is really forgettable. Again, and like you mentioned, that surfing scene with Peter Fonda. Oh, God. Ooh, that's, some ba- that's bad. That you know, like if somebody wants to remake that one, go right ahead. Yeah, <laughs> I would not be against that. But yeah, uh, yeah no, I didn't. Uh, yeah, the original's a classic. Early Carpenter is best Carpenter. So, uh, right. you know, yeah. I- I'm surprised I hadn't seen it until now. I'm really yeah. Yeah, me too, frankly. But yeah, I'm glad I now knocked that off my list of shame. So, Have you seen his other movie that's really known for? Have you seen The Thing? Have you seen that one before? <laughs> Have you- I've seen The Thing once or twice, yes. Ah. Oh, yeah. and is, is, speaking of uh, movies that make or, – or Netflix TV shows that you might want to jerk off to, we mentioned earlier with 13 uh, – <laughs> that uh, 13 thing. 13 um, Reasons did, Why, yeah. Yeah, did you guys see the uh, trailer for Glow that uh, got dropped yesterday? No, yeah. like – the gorgeous ladies of wrestling? Yeah. Oh, no shit. Yeah, it looks good. Oh, my so God. I'm, I will seek that out as soon as we're done here. Yeah, I'm excited. It comes out next month. So uh, there's awesome. a very good chance that will be my title next month. Hell, yeah. That's fantastic. But, uh, yeah, if you haven't checked it out, go ahead and check it out. Great. Definitely will. Mm. So I mentioned last week that we weren't going to have a Best in the Backlog Challenge next week, but we actually are, um, and that'll be round 30. And then what? Yeah, the, the, the challenge will be kind of put on uh, a pause. It'll be put on hold during the month of June because um, starting in the month of June, uh, to coincide with CSSC 6, instead of doing a Best in the Backlog film, we're all going to watch the featured film and kind of give our uh, d- thoughts on it in this format as opposed to the long elaborate hour long format that we normally do with the main show so or with the main review so um we're going to hit round 30 and then we're going to kind of pause and the other reason why is because silent hill the video game never really took off none of us really played it um unfortunately and so where we were going to use this time to talk about the video game silent hill next week we're not going to do that anymore so i apologize if that's something you were looking forward to um but it's just not going to be happening this time around so I'm still going to try eventually, you know, yeah. like I, I want to, I just, it, it's been, it's just a crazy time right now. That's all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we will do round 30. So with that in mind, we need to pick films for each other. So I am going to pick for Ash. Ash, you are going to pick for Mark and Mark, you are going to pick for me. So I will start out here. Ash, did you know that our director of... Max Payne today, John Moore, also happened to direct a film that you have on your Netflix instant queue list that you have not seen yet. And that film is IT from 2016. I think it's perfect because you are an IT guy. It's from the same director as the movie we talked about today. And it's on your list. So I'm going to have you watch 2016's IT with Pierce Brosnan. Yep, exactly right. That's probably why I added it to my list because I love Pierce Brosnan. So, gotcha. And it looks interesting as hell. It's like a looks like a crime thriller of sorts. So it should be interesting. So I'll have you watch It from 2016, okay. and uh, whoever wants to go next can deliver the next film. Well, since I already mentioned on, on the podcast earlier, because you have finished Super Mario Brothers mm-hmm. on your little NES uh, console. I think it's a shame that you haven't uh, seen The Wizard before. So you're going to watch The Wizard. It's fucking fantastic. All right. Fantastic. Now, that's The Wizard of Oz with Judy Garland, right? 
No, no, oh, it's still busy with Fred Savage. Oh, that one. Okay, it's the, no, no, it's just the Nintendo. It's the hour and a half Nintendo promo from the, right, yes, the commercial. It, yeah, it's Excellent. one long commercial, but it's a commercial that I've seen so many times. All I know about it is that it had footage of Super Mario Brothers three in it before it was actually yes. out in the states, and so it was like a huge deal. Yes, and, and you know it still is to this day. Yeah. So I yes. will be watching The Wizard from 1989. So Ash. What is Mark going to watch for next week? I am going, I actually, okay, I, I, I'm, nah, I'm not even going to preface this. I actually enjoyed this movie, even though people bitched on it and pissed and moaned on it and blah, 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 blah. Uh, Kira Knightley's in it though. Um, uh, oh, Pride and, and Prejudice, uh, Pride and Prejudice, Pride and Prejudice. King Arthur? Yes, King Arthur. Ah, okay. Oh. Uh, yeah. From 2004? Yeah. Not yeah. the new one, obviously. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, that one the the one that's bombing at the box office right, right now? Right. Yeah, that one. Yeah, I okay. will, uh, I'll gladly watch that. Yeah, All right. I, I, actually, I, I actually enjoyed that one, so I'm kind of curious what uh, what you think. Fantastic. We'll so next week. Yeah, to recap, Mark, you are watching 2004's King Arthur. I am watching 1989's The Wizard. And Ash, you are watching 2016's IT. Fan-fucking-tastic. All right, so before we sign off for the day, we do want to talk about what we are doing next. So Mm -hmm. normally, we wait until the last episode of The Arc to announce where we're heading next, but next week's episode has two full reviews on it and our regular segment, so it could potentially be a bit long. Um, So that said, we wanted to announce what our next arc will be today. So as most of you surely know, the three of us here love big, loud, dumb action movies, and they don't get much bigger louder, or dumber than Michael Bay's Transformers series. And on June 21st, Transformers The Last Night is releasing in theaters. So in honor of this upcoming release, we've decided it would be a ton of fun to arc through the entire film series in anticipation for The Last Night, which rumor has it, and maybe you guys have heard something since, but what I was reading is that it might be Michael Bay's last foray into the world of Transformers, as least as its director. So, <laughs> he said that for the last one. <clears throat> the one okay, that. okay. Fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. <laughs> so what this means... Like, if they let him do like an indie film where he gets to do whatever the fuck he wants in between the Transformers movies, I'm betting he'll be back for the next one. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Fair enough. Yeah, so so what this means is that during CSSC 6, we'll be spending time on the show watching the big action sci-fi films that make up the Transformers series. This five-episode arc will begin on June 2nd with the original Transformers from 2007 and conclude with another rare theatrical viewing, or uh, th- review rather, which you don't get terribly often here on the show, of Transformers The Last Night on June 30th. Not only... Uh, should these just be a ton of fun to revisit, or if you're like me, watch mostly for the first time? But they also follow the theme of Cinefesh and Summer Screams Challenge, as they're all sci-fi films, so you can follow along with the show and earn points in your CSSC6 list all at the same time. It's almost as if we planned it that way or something. <laughs> so, <laughs> so hopefully you guys... are as excited about the next arc as we are. And just remember, that arc is not going to begin next week, but the following week with the first episode releasing on Friday, June 2nd. So it gives you a couple weeks to uh, collect those films as needed and go from there. 
I think this was a Mark. I believe this was your idea, maybe. It, it and, was Murdy regretting it, but yes, it was my <laughs> idea. And the reason why I also want to do it one because I'm going to go see the fifth one in the theaters because I've seen all the four other ones okay. in the theaters. Yep. But I've owned a few of these on Blu-ray. I picked them up when they came out, and I haven't even unwrapped them. Yeah. So. Like, I remember watching four. Again, I'm going ahead of myself. But I remember watching four in the theaters. I'm like, this movie is never going to end. But <laughs> the OCD collector in me is like, I've got the first one and two. Mm-hmm. I need to pick up three and four. So I have them all. And uh, some of them are in 3D. And they're just collecting dust. So I'm like, well, might as well make a make an event out of this. And we'll do five weeks of right. Transformers. Yeah, I'm in a... I have the first three on DV or on a Blu-ray. I bought a. I had to actually buy a uh, pack to replace the first two, so I just bought the pack when they released it because it got stolen. It was one of the, my Blu-rays that got stolen. My house got robbed, uh, so I ended up buying a trilogy pack. And then, of course, they came out with a fourth movie, but I ended up getting <laughs> that one for free on digital. So, <laughs> okay. I'm like, okay. Yeah, very good. Yeah, I'm kind of in a similar boat. I own most of these, I think, all except the last one. Um, and have n- I've only watched the first one myself. And so I haven't even seen the others. They're still in shrink wrap. And I own at least two of them, I think, on uh, – uh, yeah, two of them I own I in, in 3D Blu-ray. So I'll probably watch those that way. But. Fun fact, um, they actually film – Michael Bay will actually film these in 3D as opposed to them going in and making it 3D later. Uh, yes, which is so, cool. Uh, they actually like can adjust the shots and everything the way he wants it on set right there while they're filming. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. and these are at least the last couple have been filmed here in Detroit, and so I have um, like friends who are extra, like really tiny, like crowd members, you know, as they're transforming, yeah. flying over them and shit. So it's always fun to try to p- point those people out to, for myself, you know, as you go through them. I, I do think yeah. it's more interesting though that they need to film in a war zone, so they go to Detroit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's easy to make it look like a war zone, that's for damn sure. Not much set so dressing it, needed. It is going to be fun to revisit. Yeah. Um at least I'm saying that right now because right. we haven't started yet. I think after number two, I'll be like, fuck, I got another three weeks of this. <laughs> so And they're long movies, so that's gonna be interesting. Yeah, they're really long. So I'm hoping there's no commentary track and my my <laughs> Just my luck, there'll be like three on each. And like two of them is just Michael Bay snoring. (laughs) You know? Uh, Yeah, we're used to talking about like 90 minute or less films, frankly, on this show. Yeah, don't, don't, uh, Mark, I know you you tend to watch the commentary. I do. Um, Don't watch (laughs) the commentary on the Transformers movies if it's just Michael Bay, because it's basically Michael Bay masturbating to his genius and creating (laughs) sequences for the two hours of the film. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, you have to masturbate. Next thing I know, my eyes are closed. I'm just listening to myself. (laughs) You you know what? I'm going to do this as like one of those Facebook Live things. Oh, God. So that everybody can watch me listen to the commentary. Mm hmm. Perfect. How can you get negative six <laughs> viewers? Oh, it's God. Like, how, how can you get a minus? Oh, man. But I, I can. <laughs> if anyone can, you sure can. 
Fuck, yeah, unfortunately. (laughs) All right, so Transformers is where we're going after here. Uh, But as for today, that's going to do it for this episode. So next week, we are going to conclude the video game arc with that double feature review of Silent Hill and Silent Hill Revelation from 2006 and 2012. And as always, if you have a question for the three of us here at the Cinefessions Podcast, please hit us up using that hashtag, InFilmWeTrust, for all those questions you'd like us to answer on the show. Or call us at one three zero two four four eight talk or email us at contactthecinefessions.com for any question of the week options. And as always, if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or wherever else it is that you're listening to us. Positive reviews help us get more listeners, which is always the goal. And uh, we always appreciate you guys taking the uh, short bit of time that it takes to leave those reviews. And another reminder, you can always reach us on social media. We love to interact with listeners there. You can find us on Uh, You can find us at Cinefessions on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So make sure you're following us on all three of those platforms. And also, Ash, where else can we find you online? I am currently on uh, Twitter under D-H-G-F-A-S-H-E. Fantastic. And Mark, how about yourself? Uh, Instagram at uh, Mark... Actually, no. What am I? Instagram, I'm mnado02. On Twitter, I'm Mark underscore Nado. Fantastic. And you follow my personal Twitter feed at Simon1PSYMIN1. Man, I talked a lot in this episode and I apologize for that. So I'll make sure that it's all you you guys do all the talking next week. Ah, uh, sure. <laughs> man, oh, fucking, man. Uh, uh, fucking Hill is pretty sweet, eh? Fuck yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> all uh, I was right. freeing uh, a fucking pound of back bacon. <laughs> yeah, you were busy. Screen. I understand. I got I got, uh, I got some cooking on my screen, but it's okay because I had some Windex. I used that to clean the whole okay, so it's really good. And then that motherfucker with the pyramid comes. I'm like holy shit, dude! What is that? The pyramid on his head? Oh, what's his name? Pyramid head? Pyramid head? I don't know. You, you can't make this up. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Oh man, that, that's that's a preview for next week. Exactly. <laughs> well, make sure you tune in anyway. I'm gonna wear a toque. I'm gonna wear a toque. Good. I feel I have to know. <laughs> All right. So I want to thank everyone for listening to the 93rd episode of the Cinefessions podcast. And remember, in film, we trust. We'll catch you next time. <laughs> <laughs>